Jarvis, drop my needle. Hello, this is the hardcore legend Mick Foley, and if you are interested in listening to idiots, you came to the right place. Have a nice day. Woo! That's an attention getter. He's a very strange young man. He's an idiot. What we're dealing with here is a complete lack of respect for the law. Oh my God, he's an idiot. You know, of course, that you're out of your jurisdiction. Personally, I think you're an idiot. But that's the evidence in the car. But I was going into Toshi Station to pick up some power converters. Always like to keep my audience riveted. Greetings, ladies and gentlemen, friends and fiends, and welcome to Free Range EDC, the podcast about everything, but mostly just the stuff we like. I'd say this episode's subject is divisive, but then again, what in the Star Wars universe isn't these days? With every movie somehow turning into the worst thing since syphilis, and each new character besides Mando, the embodiment of everything wrong with Lucasfilm and the world in general... That all being said, it was a special brand of vitriol that seemed to start with today's subject and has replicated itself like a nasty outer rim virus ever since. However, we have a different take on it, and we'll be sharing it in this episode 106, Unpopular Opinion. The Last Jedi is a great Star Wars movie. I am your Uncle Todd, and with me, as always, is a person who is developing his own boutique brand of premium bourbon based on steak drippings and various spice rubs. He has been my partner in EDC for over two decades and is always operating at Barrel Proof. I give you the man they call Tim. Greetings and salutations, my friend. How are you? I am doing well, and let me just say my neighbors are in for one hell of a treat tonight because uh, oh, I'm no. recording at home, and because I'm out on the sun porch, which is uh, doubles as my home at-home studio, uh-huh. I am isolated from the rest of the house, which is normally very good for recording. However, it's not good when the air conditioning is running, and then you seal yourself off from said cool air. Mm-hmm. So I decided rather than just completely, you know, melt into a puddle that I would open the windows of my sun porch. So now I've got a nice cross breeze going because it's cooled down enough that it's at least relatively cool. However, my neighbors are going to get an earful because the houses are fairly close together here. So this oh, is going to be very interesting. We might have visits from uh, from neighbors like, just shut up. <laughs> so 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 the intro you just did was like what broadcast out to the neighborhood? It very well could be. Uh, I don't know. I'm wearing headphones, so I'm not exactly sure what my volume was and how far that it carries. However, I will say that there are times when, uh, you know, I'll be laying in bed at night with the windows open, trying to drift off to sleep and someone's walking their dog by and you can literally hear like the dog sniffing and you can hear like the person's footsteps. So I can only imagine like (laughs) just me raising my volume just enough that the yeah. neighbors are like the hell is going on over there <laughs> what the hell was that having another party <laughs> they're, they're gonna have they're gonna have a petition nailed to my door tomorrow you know like oh. you're out oh well it was oh, gonna yeah. be, it was bound to happen sooner or later i mean let's just be honest Indeed. And how are you doing, good sir? How is I'm how well. is this week treating you thus far? Ah, uh, very well, very well. Had a nice, relaxing weekend, and just just feeling good, feeling positive, which is probably uh, interesting considering the topic we're about to uh, undertake. Yes, I was going to say we'll see. We'll soon figure that. We'll soon fix that. Uh, we'll <laughs> we'll dash that optimism in in Let short the order. Flow through you. <laughs> oh yes. Oh my gosh. We're we're actually tr- going to try and counter some of the hate uh, with positivity, but we all know how that works. Uh, mm. You know, 
So we'll see how all that goes. But before we dive into our uh, main subject for this episode, yeah. let's get a little let's get into the week in geek and, and find out what's going on in the rest of the world from Star Wars vitriol and hatred brought to you by the man they call Tim. Week in geek. Feels so funky. Ah, oh, really? I'm the sponsor. I thought you were coming up with one of the uh, special ones that we have. No, I've I've been having uh, Patrick do a lot of like cleaning at the office uh, yeah. rather than seeking out sponsors. They really weren't paying that much anyways, and it was getting kind of moldy at the office with with Patrick kind of living there on the regular. Mm-hmm. So I was mm-hmm. like, you know what, I'll I'll lose a couple dollars here. However, I will save my sanity <laughs> as well as most of my senses because it was a it was a full on olfactory and visual buffet of just. <laughs> nastiness that was happening you know so i, I, I i've been you're, you're you're kind of one and done with the office you know <laughs> well the other thing is i mean damn gas is five dollars i mean i uh, well <laughs> there, there's that too jesus i mean uh, uh, go, so go fit okay so you we'll dive into a, a little i mean uh, granted uh, it's every week when we have a somewhat of a sidetrack here but Talk about you know great timing. A year ago, I decided to to sell my my little efficient uh, Volkswagen GTI, which was you know it, it wasn't getting like thirty five miles per gallon, but it was like high twenties. I went out and I bought a Jeep Wrangler, and now I'm lucky if I'm you know sniffing like the high teens. Yeah, gas up around five five bucks a gallon. That was looking like a sh- more of a more and more of a shrewd decision every day. Let me tell you. Mm-hmm. I go, I go to the gas pump this morning, and, and it basically was like, your loan is approved. Oh, sweet. <laughs> it's like rocket gas mortgage. <laughs> good, good to know. You know? Oh, my gosh. Wow. Wow. But anyways, what do we got going on in the Week in Geek this week, sir? Uh, well, the, the first one, uh, which I thought you'd appreciate, is is a bit of vindication for the Real and Jabroni franchise. Uh, really? Oh, yes. Uh, apparently, uh, if you recall, when we were uh, talking about, I think this goes back to the Falcon Winter Soldier series, I think. Okay. Uh, we were talking about a rumor about the Thunderbolts appearing. Yes, yes. Well, Marvel is reportedly developing a Thunderbolts movie. I did see that, which is interesting. And I didn't. I, kudos to you for for going back and and pulling that from the the archives. I did. I, I did not connect the dots on that. But yes, that is happening, isn't it? Deep cut, my friend. I all oh, do it. I love a deep cut. You know. <laughs> Especially if it's Cheryl Crow. That's, you know, the other one. And there we go. Her, oh, no, that's the first cut. Well, But the first cut is the deepest, so it all ties together. Indeed. Uh, but, yes, the, the Thunderbolts uh, made their comics debut in 97 uh, mm-hmm. and are basically a group of reformed supervillains, uh, which were founded uh, by Baron Zemo, who we're familiar with from his dancing meme uh, from Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> there we go. <laughs> I, would, I would love for them to retro, to retcon, like, that Baron Zemo's now, he owns a disco. And that's like where that's the that's the Thunderbolts base like of the operations. Base of op- there we go. There we yeah, go. They, they operate the, the out the back of base of operations out of Zemo's disco. That would be uh, just that way we get dancing Zemo 
every episode nice. like it's just a different song like the first one is like it's raining men that would be just i don't know just the, <laughs> pulling that one out jeez look oh at yeah you. creative juices flowing on this one. Oh, somebody at marvel feige give me a call i've got a million ideas i mean most of go. them suck but i've got a million <laughs> of them so one of them's bound to hit that's awesome uh yeah so uh there's no word on which characters will be in the movie uh it sounds like uh it's a fairly uh reasonable bet to make that baron zemo will be in it uh played by the incomparable daniel Bruhl. and then uh you know we've been seeing here and there um julia louis dreyfus as contessa valentina allegra de fontaine mm. that name i just love uh, yes kind of i kind of i love how you use the full the name that's the, that's great like you you definitely researched that because you don't have that at the top of your head do you no no or do no. you no i okay it, it would just be elaine from seinfeld if that was the case but <laughs> so uh oh you know, dude could we get baron zemo dancing and then and then the contest <laughs> and then her dan- pulling out the elaine doing the old elaine that, dance <laughs> oh my gosh like universes colliding it would be great uh, that's hysterical. That's hysterical. Uh, let's see. Um, other potential contenders that the article points out is, of course, Flow Flow. Uh, yes. Belova. Uh, we could get uh, the Winter Soldier himself. We could get uh, Olga Kuryelenko's Taskmaster from uh, uh, from the um, oh my gosh, oh, yeah. I can't think of her from the Black Widow movie. Yeah. Um, there's Ghost. Uh, there's, of course, uh, The Chin, John Walker, uh, a.k.a. U.S. Agent uh, mm-hmm. from Falcon and the Winter Soldier, uh, Tim Ross Abomination, uh, and uh, and others. So uh, it's it's going to be interesting to see uh, if this, this ends up actually happening. Um, I'm, I'm excited if it does, because I think, you know, Marvel's due for, you know, a little bit of a, you know, I don't want to say Guardians of the Galaxy kind of fills that hole because it, it it's kind of its own thing. But, you know, just having a hodgepodge of, of, of uh, reformed villains pulled together to kind of, you know, pull off a, a caper or two uh, sounds sounds like something that would definitely uh, be in the Marvel wheelhouse. Yeah, it'd be nice to see the Suicide Squad done right. Indeed, indeed. All right. And um, I just I just want to make sure I throw this out there. And I can say this because she doesn't listen to the podcast. But did I ever tell you that uh, Mrs. Uncle Todd on our, our first date, she she actually serenaded me with the first cut is the deepest really? on guitar. Yes. I had no idea. Yeah, there was there was a few beverages consumed that night. So- I was say, it, was, <laughs> it sounds like that was the the bedrock foundation of upon which uh, the the whole relationship was built upon. Well done. Well, I mean, when when a girl like is just learning, I mean, because she was just learning. It's not like she's a guitar virtuoso, and in fact, I don't I don't think she's played guitar since we've been married. I mean, I don't maybe that <laughs> you undid like, all that. <laughs> I was very polite. I was listening, you know, and but I was like woman is learning guitar and just like bust that out like all right there's some there's some confidence here all right i dig that mm-hmm. and that does that takes a lot of confidence like if you're learning an instrument and like learning to play and stuff and you you bust that out like after a date yeah you've got you you you're pretty sure of yourself <laughs> indeed indeed all right well moving on from marvel's thunderbolt to uh, a little something something uncle todd uh, dropped into uh, chat this week uh, between us uh, ghostbusters uh is yes. having and 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 i i actually read through the article neither of us read this before the show started 
Um, but there, there are two, uh, two items here. One is an animated film uh, mm-hmm. that will be developed. And then there is going to be a sequel to Afterlife, a live action sequel that will be based uh, in uh, the home base of New York City where the original Ghostbusters uh, started. Yeah. So that kind of was, that looks like that was all but a certainty with the extended, you know, oh yeah. post credit sequence. I mean, you don't you don't put that much effort into something like that if you're not you're not already like, okay, this is just about signed, sealed, and delivered unless this thing nosedives real hard. Indeed. Indeed. I mean, that was set up right on a T. And I'm I am so there for it. I could have when I saw that at the end of the movie, I was like, but I want this now. Please tell me it was shot like back to back with this movie so that we get it like next week. <laughs> Unfortunately not. Things don't work that way. That's funny. It, it looks like the animated series is in the works at Netflix, uh, produced by Jason Reitman and Gil Keenan. And then the film, uh, which doesn't have any sort of date announced as of yet, is in development uh, as we speak and they did confirm apparently this was uh june 8th uh is uh let me see so what would that be 20 30 f- uh, not 40 yet we're about 38 38 years uh from the uh release date is that right 38 two one. yeah that's 38 you're asking me to do math really? no you i'm, I'm making desperate. sure i'm doing the math right but we uh there was a ghostbusters day on uh on june 8th and this is where uh jason reitman and gil keenan announced these items so uh, uh they they had this on on the date of the f- uh, first film's release uh 38 years ago and so if you think about the timing i mean i guess you could say the sequel probably would then you know, if, if they time it outright, could be done by the 40th anniversary. Oh, I don't want to wait two years. I know, <laughs> so, I know. Well, maybe that's why I'm like Veruca Salt, dude. Hey, like, I want it now. Uncle Todd wants a little Ghostbusters content. We'll throw it over on Netflix for him, do him a solid, and then, uh, you know, we'll drop something in 2024. Yeah, but that, that animated series isn't going to be isn't going to be that quick. I mean, that's that's a fairly lengthy process in and of itself. I mean, Kevin Smith was talking about masters of the universe for quite a while before we actually got it on Netflix. So yeah, it's, it's not like that's going to be coming around next month. Yeah, that's true. Which stinks, but something to look forward to. nonetheless. Yeah, I guess fine. But, uh, and then moving on to uh, to our last item, a little Obi-Wan Kenobi, uh, just to get a a hot take from you, sir, uh, on episode four. And, and of course the, the subsequent fan complaints that followed after, um, what, uh, what what were your thoughts on, on this last outing of Obi-Wan Kenobi? I mean, here's the thing. Like, I'm just, I'm just, I'm trying to, in my in my life to be kinder and gentler and to just enjoy things, you know, rather because I can be overly critical. I know it's so shocking for those who listen to this show for any amount of time that I could be critical. I mean, who would have guessed, but I, I really am. I'm just trying to take some stuff at face value and, and to not necessarily dive all the way into the minutiae with everything i don't think kenobi is like the greatest thing ever i don't think it's i don't think it's i don't think it's as good as mando i i don't i i think especially mando season one mando season one was just about perfect 
And, and I think season two is good, too. I, it, it wasn't quite up to season one necessarily, but it was still really good. Kenobi is not as good as that. Like, it just isn't. But it's, it's still a lot of fun. I'm still enjoying it. I'm still, uh, you know, loving watching Ewan McGregor do Ewan McGregor Obi-Wan things. You know, like Lil Leia's is cute as a button and 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 for you know an actor of that age really doing well like pulling this off i mean that's that's no little thing is to to for someone of that age to be you know that engaging and and to be able to kind of pull all that off i mean there's a lot riding on that on that uh girl's shoulders for this show you know there i was i'm surprised how much you know of the the you know story weight they're actually asking her to pull um, and oh yeah, do, doing really well with it. Um, granted, it's not the greatest thing ever. However, I still think it's really good and it's enjoyable, and I'm I'm having fun. So, indeed, overall thoughts like, hey, I still give it a thumbs up. Indeed, it's not terrible. It's not like it's violating canon left, right, and center. I mean, I've seen a few people say like, oh well, it's incorrect that he wouldn't have known about Vader and blah blah blah. It's like, okay, fine, but you know what? If you're just gonna pick it apart, well, then why the hell are you watching it? It's really incorrect. They're wrong. You're wrong. Well, I, I, some of the arguments I've seen would make sense. However, it's it, you know they're saying, oh well, he saw the security footage of, of Palpatine calling him Lord Vader and all this, and I get that, mm. but there is also a legit case of him, maybe he just doesn't, re- maybe he didn't realize that Anakin survived, and maybe he has been so far out of the loop that he doesn't know that vader would still be a thing i don't know look he but lives it, in a cave he was working on a in a meat packing plant on tatooine what, what do you want not even a guy? meat not even a meat packing plant it was a meat packing tent well that's true like, it's about the it's like the least sanitary meat packing operation ever <laughs> like good lord like you you want to talk about like things spoiling like i can't even imagine like i that's one of those times when i'm like thank god there isn't smell-o-vision because i really do not need to know what this would have smelled like <laughs> sitting out in the hot sun with this big old carcass that they keep coming back to every day like oh well and, and and if you remember from episode one he was he was cutting a little slice for himself and, and stuffing it into his pocket so i'm thinking how how sanitary is that by the time he gets home <laughs> well no that wasn't for him that was for his space camel remember Oh, I didn't realize that. Okay, I thought. It yeah, was he was giving that. He was giving that to his space camel. You know, space which uh, I don't know what the hell else to call it. I mean, all I know is it's not a bantha. Which I mean, thank goodness for that. He would have never made it back and forth well, for a shift every day. That's true. They would have had to make it twelve episodes. You know, six of which cover just the bantha walking around. But yeah, the commute. Oh my gosh, a bantha for a commute. Whew. Great, <laughs> great mileage. But man, you better. You have to give yourself more time than you ever think you're going to need. Oh my gosh. Yeah, I I'm enjoying it. How about you, sir? I've I've blabbered enough. No, I I've I've enjoyed it too. I I felt uh, one of the subtle things that was kind of missed in in all of this, uh, you know, in all of kind of the reaction to it, because um, a lot of it's been around the, you know, him walking through the tomb of of all of these, uh, you know, dead Jedi mm. and uh, and just you know the whole experience in in the Inquisitor. Uh, home uh, not home base base of operations that, that's the phrase we're using here um was the fact that you know i felt like throughout the episode he was kind of getting his his mojo back a little bit you know you know there's a part early in the episode where he's kind of you know he's trying to move something with the force and he's struggling mm. with it. and and then yeah. you know he has the 
the whole thing where he's, you know, using his lightsaber to repel back the, uh, the shots. And then, you know, he's holding the glass in place before, you know, flooding it to take out the stormtroopers and, you know, all of this stuff is going on. And, and so he's kind of like finding his way back, you know, to, to what he was. And, uh, yeah. And, and that was cool to see, you know, that, that, that he's, he's kind of, you know, he, he's engaging a bit more and, and letting go and, you know, being more of the Obi-Wan that, that we remember. Um, so that, that was great. I thought the, the back and forth, uh, between, um, uh, what's her, uh, Riva and uh, Leia was great. You know, I thought, mm. I thought that was a fantastic, uh, you know, she starts out as, you know, nice and kind of coaxing and then kind of amps it up into just, you know, just about having it with her and, uh, and, and, you know, Leia playing it great as well. Like, you know, I, I thought she was just going to fess up and then she's just kind of like, Nope, I want to see my dad. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like, I'm not going to tell you anything. <laughs> Yep, you definitely get a lot of like Leia sass in there. Yes, oh yeah, the sass was in effect. So yes, uh, so yeah, no, I thought it was great. I really, I really enjoyed Vader, you know, coming in and just like, <laughs> like not even just going into force choke mode, but like you know, lifting her like nine feet off the ground, like you are going to die. You know, it's like yeah, you know, just total rage beast Vader was was just fun to see and and. That, and, and, you know, th- those little things are, are things I'm enjoying. Like, we, you know, we only got to see a little bit of, you know, and, and again, it, it, it lent itself to the mystique of the character at the time with the movies, you know, but we only saw little bits of it, you know, and, um, you know, like in New Hope, you know, he's, he's force choking, you know, one of the rebels and then throws him to the side and then he's like yelling at his underlings. And so you're getting a sense this is not a nice guy, but man, yeah. watching him just, you know, just gallivant no i shouldn't say gallivant and just like storm in and just like pick her up and and i mean it was it was really cool you know you're you're seeing vader in his prime and um and and it's it's been it's been fun to watch um to just see those i don't think i don't think anybody has ever seen vader gallivant that's true not the right term to use no uh, there there was never any ballyhoo i recanted quickly on that one yeah, you better forthwith. Concurrently, um, but uh, <laughs> but yeah, no, I I thought it was great, and and then of course you know they went into the well of of uh, oh I let them get away. That's the thing I love. It's like they they fight like like they don't want them to go, and then they get away, and 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 this will come up again when we talk in the um, you know as, as as we talk about Last Jedi. This 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 theme will come up again, but. It's like they go through this battle, they get embarrassed, and then it's like, oh, I meant for them to do that. <laughs> yes. Like this, it's like this 180. It's like you're about to get waylaid by your boss, and you're like, no, I meant to do that, and here's why. And it's like, oh, you're brilliant. <laughs> well, yeah, and, they, and that goes back to the original Star Wars itself. Like, wasn't that the gig? Right. Like, they, they let them get off the they let them get off the Death Star so they could track them. Right. Right. And and find the base, which, you know, if exactly. you complain about any of those, it's like, OK, well, go back and talk to George because, you know, yeah. he started this with, with at uh, least this thing. I think it's a valid tactic. It's It just always cracks me up how like there's like everything going on like five minutes before that would tell you the intentions of all the characters are in a totally different direction. Than that. And then. Oh, yeah, totally. But but one of the cool so one of the cool things I read because uh, there which were which actually the and the funny thing is that that's it, it's a it's well traveled also in in wrestling because you see that happen with like these factions and we've just seen it 
you know, I I didn't see it because I am I am a watcher wrestling, but apparently, you know, like the whole thing where people are, you know, they're fighting and then all of a sudden they they make that turn. It's like, well, wait uh, a minute, yeah, yeah. you've been beating the hell out of him for thir- three months. <laughs> You're telling me that that was all part of forgiven. the plan. <laughs> like, by the way, I need you to really beat the hell out of me. Okay, this is one time to make it look good. No, no, we're gonna do it repeatedly over three months for a quarter of the year. I want you to beat the living hell out of me, That's right. and then we're gonna. It's gonna be all. Is there a less painful way to do this? Nope. Okay. Well, you're the one getting hit. So sure. (laughs) Draw me money. Exactly. (laughs) Yes. That's what it's all about, ladies and gentlemen. And and we'll and we'll hear that from Vince when his head's in a jar. I mean, it won't be his voice because it'll be like the Stephen Hawking thing. It'd be like, draw me money. (laughs) And you'll just see some bubbles come up from his mouth in the jar. Yeah. I'm yep. telling you, I I need I need an anime series of Vince Vince's head in a jar. <laughs> that ought to be on Peacock right there. You want to talk about drawing money? Oh, Give me gosh. like a WWE anime with Vince's Vince's head in a jar running the world. I'm telling <laughs> you right awesome. there. That's that'd draw some money. Indeed. Um, Even if it's one, just mine. One cool thing I did read just on that topic about you know letting them get away and tracking them and that sort of thing is uh kind of tying it into a new hope and saying oh like vader may have learned this this tactic you know from from his underling because this is exactly what he does to the millennium falcon when uh, mm. you know in a new hope when when they get away and and how they discover True. the rebel base and so forth and so i thought that was kind of a you know, kind of an interesting way to to kind of show some continuity and consistency in that. Oh yeah, may, maybe you know this new character Riva. You know, she, you know she's she's kind of laying the foundation. And and hey, to Vader's credit, he 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 learns and he applies things that work. So you know, yep. I mean, she was yeah, she was. I mean, you're right too. She was like a heartbeat away from you know getting a Niles. You know, thank you. Oh, thank <laughs> that was you. it. <laughs> and and you know, managed oh. to save herself. Absolutely. But yeah, no, I thought it was solid outing and, you know, like all the stuff, like, you know, same with Book of Boba Fett. I, I think, you know, it's a series. You got to kind of take it um, as as a, a compilation of, of all these episodes. And so I'm, I'm very curious how these last two are going to play out. And, you know, I'm, I'm sure they're building up to, you know, Obi-Wan baby face that he is. You know, he's been beaten down now. Now he's coming back. It's going to be the you know, it's going to be him finding his mojo and we're going to get kind of the old school Obi-Wan, you know, twirling it around and, you know, just, just taking it to taking Anakin to the woodshed again. So we'll yep. at least, at least for the real and jabroni picks to go my way. So he's going to get the hot tag from the womp rat and that's going to jeez, Qui-Gon oh, coming off the top gosh. rope. Ladies and gentlemen, may I just tell you, I, I'm getting texts from Uncle Todd about this Womp Rat situation. <laughs> I'm telling you, there's been two or three it's, Womp Rat sightings. It's concerning me a little bit. Acknowledge them. You refuse to acknowledge them. I am going to. I'm going to have to go to a, a Star Wars crypto zoologist. I'm going to. I'm sure that there's one out there. I'm going to contact Jimmy Dice. He's going to give me. He's going to give me someone's email address. I think and Jimmy I'm, Dice is going to be on my side. I, I am pulling from 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 the text baby from from the source material when i when i when i counter these allegations of a womp rat being on screen it and is you know not what i say rat. yes suspect that's what i say <laughs> all right chucky all right well on that note that my friends is the weekend geek 
Well, thank you very much, sir, for, as always, your diligence in letting us know what is going on in the world outside of our main subject, at least, you know, the stuff that we're interested in. I mean, not real events. I mean, who cares about reality, really? We're, we're dealing with fantasy here. Um, and speaking of fantasy, let's dive into uh, uh, this is kind of a new gimmick for us, and we're going to yeah, we'll, we'll bring this one back from time to time. But uh, this is kind of an unpopular opinion for a lot of people, uh, not so much that, you know, uh, the last Jedi was a an okay movie or a decent movie. It is my personal contention, and I believe uh, the man they call Tim uh, shares this as well. That I argued quite strongly about this last episode, but it was about the wrong movie. I know. I mean, see, we were we were arguing about the same and different things at the same time, which quite honestly. <laughs> Very on brand for us. Very on brand for us. It, you know, uh, 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 Tim, it's it's Rise of Skywalker we're talking about. <laughs> Never mind. <laughs> yeah. I uh, era retract all of my previous statements. Ah, uh, yeah, that could have been. Oh, uh, never mind. I won't do that one. <laughs> yeah. So, uh, but it is our contention that the the Last Jedi episode eight of yes. the the Skywalker saga. Um, is not just a good Star Wars movie. It is a great Star Wars movie. Mm -hmm. And in fact, in my opinion, is is up there with Empire Strikes Back and Rogue One. Mm -hmm. um, and I, I can't quite remember what our rank, what our rankings were before when we did this with Jimmy Dice. But I, I, if I'm remembering right, I had this one up somewhat highly. Um, and, it, and quite honestly, it's probably gone up since then. Mm. So uh, this is the unpopular opinion that we are going to uh, we're going to talk about because it is very divisive. Uh, a lot of uh, a lot of fans, uh, a very vocal group, uh, which sounds more like a vocal minority, really, when you start looking at numbers, uh, absolutely hate this movie. And I and I've I've yeah. talked to people before too who who are just like I don't I don't get it I don't blah, 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 I don't like it it's not Star Wars blah 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 they totally Rian Johnson just ruined Star Wars which is funny because everybody who comes along ruins Star Wars including George Lucas uh, so it's it's very interesting how you know how people deal with the ruination of Star Wars it's it's a it it literally is like a bunch of pictures on a wall with red string connecting them all and someone with a tin foil hat telling you how important it all is it's is very interesting um however i just kind of like to start off with a few talking points and and kind of well th uh, just kind of go back and forth with this because i think that there's a way that we can actually talk about this without getting into a frothing rage uh which granted would be much better for ratings but now eh, what the hell my um i i am too tired and quite honestly uh tim's doctor has has uh, advised him against a frothing rage so we're going to yeah, try and true. keep everyone out of the hospital and uh and somewhat sane. yeah frothing and rage none of it none yeah, of by it by the way how, thank you how many how many days since uh since our previous instant incident we've, we've got to be almost a year now don't we uh yes sir actually we are uh actually we're encroaching upon a year because the last incident sadly was uh sun uh, was a father's day sunday that's right very nicely father's actually we might almost be there because i believe father's day is kind of late this year so it was right around it was right around this time mm. last year well congratulations sir and hopefully we'll try and keep you from repeating that this year <laughs> Not with this always, topic. No, I'm kidding. I always feel bad because every time it's happened, I'm like, my God, I hope it wasn't me. I hope it wasn't me. Just that this that only child guilt comes out in oh, it just gosh. droves. Um, but I, I think the first question that we have to ask, 
and, and I'm interested to hear your take on this, mm-hmm. is why do we watch movies like Star Wars in the first place? I think that's a that's an important thing to address because there's there's some movies that you go to where you're expecting like high art. There's other movies you're expecting, you know, uh, you're expecting different things from different genres and from different movies themselves. Yeah. So. I mean, do you want me to kind of start or do you do you want to chime in on this? Like what? I'll, why do you I'll, think I'll throw in first on this one and then, okay. and then let you go? Because I, I have some thoughts that are, are complementary to what you're saying, but but I think different enough. All right. Um, shoot. For for me. Um, and, and this has remained. And I think this is one of the things that makes Star Wars great is is the timelessness of of this feeling that I've always had with it, that. You know, George Lucas found a way, and there's been very few movies to do this, that they find a way to transport you like into the setting, you know, and, and, and into the places uh, of, of where these characters are going and making them feel real and, you know, having them be something you can relate to, but being maybe a different twist on it. You know, things like Hoth mm-hmm. thing, you know, growing up in New Hampshire kind of can relate to that. So, yeah. Hey, I know that place. <laughs> If there was a dunks off in the distance, it would be exact. Indeed. Uh, and then, um, you know, you have places like Dagobah or Clouds. You know, for, for me as a kid, like Cloud City was always fascinating to me because it just seemed like this very futuristic yet relatable mm-hmm. kind of place. And, you know, I just feel like for for the movie, you, you, the, the characters uh, are, are, you know, very engaging. Um it's always been about that that story of that hero's journey, you know, that Luke goes on. There has been room for, um, you know, exploration in, in other areas as well when it comes to like the Han Solo character. A lot of people glommed on to him. Um, a lot of people glommed on to Boba Fett. Uh, mm-hmm. it, it's just like there's a depth to this universe that Lucas created that I think just engages the imagination and and gets people excited and and you know just thinking about the possibilities which i think is kind of the double-edged sword because you end up with the the sort of thing we're going to touch on which is all the negativity when it doesn't exactly go the way that people want it to go yeah Um, but for me you know i i go to watch these movies because i'm expecting a great story i'm expecting you know good character development i'm expecting to see new places and things and twists on you know, settings that exist in our world, but are, are, are amped up and, and, you know, kind of over technology eyed and, you know, just turned into this like other place that, that you can relate to, but is, you know, far enough from reality that it's just somewhere you'd, you'd really like to be, you know? And, and and when I say it's timeless, you know, I, I've talked often about playing Star Wars, the old Republic. And one of the things that I really liked about the game was how it, it, it it wasn't just about the gameplay and what you were doing. The fact you could be a bounty hunter, you could be a smuggler, you could be a Jedi or whatever, but you're traveling around the galaxy, these different planets and the way that they engage, you, you know, I talked about, I think last episode, like Alderaan, the way they engage you visually and, and just mm. getting you to kind of feel like immersed in, in the universe of the game and, and the places you're going was, it has always just been fun for, for me as a fan, you know, like I, I know, thinking about setting is probably not, you know, the most exciting thing or with, or the first thing that fans might go to. But for me, just, you know, thinking about or imagining kind of a different place, you know, like that is, is, you know, one of the things that engages me as, as well as the action and the characters and so forth. And so 
Um, so when, when I go to see these movies, that's what I'm looking for is, is, you know, what are the new places we're going to visit? What are the new settings and, and how, how are they going to kind of bring, um, you know, things that we're familiar with, but put a twist on and, and establish it in kind of a very different universe, um, for us to just, you know, see our characters carry out their, their journey and their adventure. So that is a long answer, but, uh, that's where I'm at. Yeah, and I I think you you actually brought up a couple of interesting things. I think the one, and, and just to go in reverse order, the, the setting thing is not boring because it's it's one of the things that I that I put down. So my my three is uh, spectacle, uh, sweep of the story, or just story, I guess you could say, and then uh, characters. And and for part of that spectacle you know, special effects uh, factors into it, you know, seeing spaceships, you know, especially originally when you saw the original Star Wars, like you had just never seen spaceships moving like that. You had never seen anything like that. Space battles of that, of that Mm -hmm. magnitude of that quality. You just hadn't seen it. So of course that's something that's like, wow. And it's just that, that awe inspiring sort of thing. The settings are also though, very important. And, and in a story like the one that we're talking about here with the Last Jedi, the settings are really, you know, striking. There are several of these settings that are just like, wow, hadn't really seen that. The whole casino at Canto Bight. For you know, some of the issues I I have with you know some of the the stuff that happens there, it is a setting that we haven't seen before. And then then the planet at the very end, the salt planet. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. is i mean oh my gosh iconic absolutely iconic um so yeah that I, that is a huge part of it and that is something that we we want we want to see stuff that that we haven't seen before and even even though it might look like you know a place here on earth or it is i mean if if you don't live there there are times when you're like wow i can't believe that there are times i see like stuff on instagram now like one of the positives mm-hmm. of social media is seeing stuff on instagram or you know or just seeing it uh, different news stories that I'm like, my God, I didn't, I, I, I feel like I'm fairly aware of, of how varied this world is, but oh my God, I never would have, I couldn't, be, I wouldn't believe that that is on earth if you didn't show it to me, like verified, like, Hey, this right. is a picture that someone took on this planet. I'm like, as, as worldly as I might think I am, I can still be awed by something and go, wow, holy crap. That's amazing. And that's what we want in movies like this. You want to have that, again, that sense of awe. Um, and I think one, another thing that you mentioned is familiarity. And one of the thing that, one of the things that is, that made Star Wars so unique and, and it kind of took it to that next level is that George Lucas did pillage, you know, from his, his youth and from other genres and stuff that he had seen. And so when you're seeing this, it's, there is a familiarity, but it's twisted just enough that you're like, wow, it's new, you know, sword fighting isn't a new thing. They've been, that's been going on for hundreds of years, you know, on, on stage plays and movies and everything else, make it laser swords. And now it's like, Whoa, okay. That's kind of cool. You know, uh, you know, it's a new dynamic, you know, dog fights between, between planes. That's not new. Like Howard Hughes was doing that in, in you know, for realsies back in whatever, like the forties or fifties when he was shooting like hell's angels, mm-hmm. 
but to put it in space and then have those ships move in ways that people hadn't seen on the screen before, yeah. it's familiar, but now it's like it's it's leveled up. And so right. all of that is, you know, it helps to connect it because now it's not so far out. Like you, you, you kind of can trace the lineage and it, and it offers also an, a, a way of like, oh, well, so if this person can take it from here to here to here, well, where can I take it next? So it then opens up the possibilities. Like it almost shows you like, hey, this is how I, this is how I got here. What do you, what can you do? And it almost offers you a way into the creativity. If that makes yeah. any sense. No, it does. It does. I mean, you know, one other thing to jump in, you, you were mentioning the spaceships and, and something that I, I've always, I, I keep coming back to whenever I watch these movies again, you know, I was watching Last Jedi both yesterday and today is, you know, how do they, well, and actually I think I mentioned this when, when one of our Week in Geek items a couple episodes ago was, was one of the gentlemen who designed you know, the, the ships mm. and the death star for, for star Wars. And mm-hmm. like, how do you know? And, and, and I know that he didn't know that it was going to resonate the way that it did, but how do you know that the millennium Falcon should look that way? You know what I mean? Like, like what inspires you to create a ship where the cockpit is all the way to one side, <laughs> you know? <laughs> and, well, yeah. And, and design everything else about it. And, and, you know, it's not like they had the, the encyclopedias or, or the compendiums that you see in, in the Barnes and Nobles today about, you know, where you open up and you look at the insides of the Falcon. I mean, they were probably just designing the outside and making it up as they were going on the inside, you know? And, and, mm-hmm. and so I, I just, I've always been fascinated by how you figure out that an aesthetic is going to engage people in, in a certain way. And, and, you know, maybe they didn't, you know, but they've, they always seem to consistently come up. I mean, even in Mandalorian, like I love the Razor Crest, like that mm-hmm. to me, that is a great bounty hunter ship. I can't tell you why. I just look at it yeah. and I'm like, "Yep, that makes sense to me." That well, makes and there's a certain amount of that. That yeah, was right. why you know I used to love, uh, you know, oh my gosh, how long ago was it? Now I'm feeling incredibly old. But back when they first started doing like the the shows with Jesse James and West Coast Choppers and all that stuff, mm-hmm. and they were showing like how he would design things. And there are times I, I just appreciated because he would he'd be mocking something up either with a piece of cardboard or he'd be drawing it or he would even be like he'd be kind of like making it as he would go along, like actually like pounding out the the gas tank with a hammer and lining it up. And there was times he'd just be like, that looks cool. And you're kind of like, that's what it really comes down to. Like there, and, and I do that even sometimes in in graphic design during, you know, for the day job, like I'm I'm looking at something I'm like. No, that looks cool. Mm-hmm. And there mm-hmm. just is that that point where it, that's that's kind of what it comes down to. And sometimes you look at it like, how did you how did you come up with the Millennium Falcon? Well, why why the cockpit on the side and this and that? It was like, eh, just look cool. And we figured, yeah. you know, enough people yeah. said said yes to it that it was like, all right, that's what it looks like now. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and it's so funny because it's not something you can necessarily quantify. It's just that, yeah, sure. Well. And, and like you just said, it's the looking cool part. But then, like I was mm-hmm. saying with the Razor Crest, like the Razor Crest looks cool. But when you think about it in the context of the character who is using it and utilizing it in their story and have that be cool, you know, like that, well, that's yeah. like a whole other layer. You know what I mean? Oh, like that, totally. that, that's the crazy part. It's the aesthetic looking cool. And then you get Han Solo and Chewie and they're the ones who are running around the galaxy in this thing. And it engages you in a totally different way because you're thinking about it from the context of them and the adventures and everything that they're doing 
with that. And that's the genius of the whole thing is like, they, there's just these layers that they're able to just perfectly nail, um, you know, time and time again with these movies. Yeah. Well, I don't know if I would attribute it to genius. I would attribute it to, um, the genius would, to me is, is the management of that because it, it goes back to like, um, again, to throw it back to wrestling, the, when, um, when Mick Foley came out and he debuted the Cactus Jack character in mm-hmm. WWF back in the day. Now, for anyone who brief, 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 brief history, Mick Foley originally when he started wrestling, he was this character Cactus Jack, and then when he came to WWF, he became this other character, Mankind. And Cactus Jack was this kind of crazy, extreme, you know, violent character. And mankind was not. And then so he's having this moment where he's having to face down the guy that he's in a storyline with. And that's who his opposition is. And and the guy just beating him up. Triple H had just beaten the living crap out of him. And he has to say, like, I don't I can't, you know, this per, this character that I am right now, kind of almost talking as Mick Foley, not as mankind, as, as himself. Can and saying I interrupt like that one thing. Yes. Just just real quick, not to correct you, but mankind was violent. But it was a well, sanitized yeah. WWE violent. Yes, true. But now continue true, because because I think that plays into what you're about to say. Yeah, and he says that this this mankind cannot match up against you, and he says, but I I know someone who can, and so he takes off. He had this button down white shirt, takes that off, and underneath is a cactus jack shirt, and he does this transformation. Now that in itself is kind of cool. However, he even says in his book. Triple H's reaction because Triple H oh, yeah. just does this reaction like he's just seen a ghost. Yeah. Yeah. He, like he's he, seen the grim, the grim reaper in front of him. Exactly. <laughs> and he's like, if, if he had not reacted like oh, yeah. that, then we would have been dead right there. And it's the same yeah. sort of thing. Like if, if you don't get the actors to buy, well, first and foremost, like if you don't get, you can have a great design, but if you don't get the set builders, to to build the set correctly if you don't get the people who are actually like making the details to make it all like work if you don't get like just the the paint just right the wear just right all that then the actors who are going to be in there aren't going to believe it you have to have everything to do that and then you have to have the actors buy in and yeah. then you have to get you have to get it's and that's why to me it's the the genius is in the management and in the the sharing of that collective dream um to be able to get that done and and that's always a struggle there's there's been that struggle with with lucas on the on the set of star wars like the mm-hmm. the english crew was just like what the they they're all you know we're like ah, oh, this is kind of crazy isn't it like they were talking to the actors like is this kind of lame it happened with james cameron on aliens where he was having a very difficult time getting everybody on board you know and so there's there's this conflict but in in getting enough people all pulling in the same direction that management and that care and that sharing of the vision it, it, to me is its own type of genius, I guess is yeah. the long way around of me saying that I could have yeah, done that I 10 guess. minutes ago, but I figured I'd take us all on the journey. Now you have to talk about <laughs> mankind and cactus Jack and I applaud you, sir, for it. Thank you. Bang, bang. And now I've got my neighbors thinking, <laughs> they're like, well, now what the hell is going on over there? He's going to come running out. He's going to come running out in a cowboy hat with a cap cap gun in a minute. This is going to be great. <laughs> and he won't be hailing from truth or consequences, New Mexico. <laughs> no, no, dude. 
that would be so much cooler. Um, all right. So uh, the, the the next thing I think that we have to ask here is the funny thing is like critical response for the Last Jedi was actually overwhelmingly positive. It had a it had an eight point one out of ten on Rotten Tomatoes, and it had an eighty four out of a hundred on uh, a Metacritic score. And that was from uh, not that too was from shabby. No, not at all. I mean, and and actually, when you look at the numbers, the the audience response was was maj- the majority of it was positive. However. This is where we get into that vocal minority that just that it, they they are so uber passionate about just sharing their their displeasure that it becomes this thing of like, oh, my gosh, well, everybody hates it. Well, no, but there was enough people who hated it, who shouted long and hard enough that, you know, eh, it just seems like it. So I guess my biggest question is, why is it always the loud ones? And why does it seem like they're the loudest? The, this dissenting opinion is always the loudest. Um, what, what are your thoughts on that? You know, it, 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 it's hard to say. I, I don't understand it either at times. Um, you know, I know I come into some of these things with certain expectations and, you know, I, I'd be lying if I didn't say, I thought the book of Boba Fett, for example, was going to go a different way. You know, like I, I had a real, desire to kind of somehow see him link up with the the bounty hunters that really were part of the scene in empire that established you know him as this mystique and as this character oh yeah people enjoyed and and i thought there was a great opportunity to do that so i was disappointed but i didn't think it was an awful you know series or anything like you know do i think it was the you know a strong outing at times probably not um but i i didn't hate it and i just feel like there are you know, when you talk about this, this, this vocal minority, I, I feel like it, a lot of it is like you said, I think it's a small number of, of individuals who are just either trying to rile up the fan base or are just discontent or, or whatever their situation is just unhappy with the whole thing. And, and I, you know, it can be for any number of reasons. It could be just, you know, just misplaced expectations, unrealistic expectations, um, I, I just don't understand it. I mean, the the thing that that just baffled me when I was hearing about some of this, you know, critique of of Last Jedi, was coming out of Force Awakens, where everyone was just like drawing this direct line to A New Hope and saying, "Oh, all they did was recycle A New Hope and put it in different contexts, slightly different characters," yep. but it was really just the same story. And then Rian Johnson comes in, and you know, yeah, there are some, there are certainly some scenes that you can point back to Empire Strikes Back, but you cannot point back with a direct line and say, this is derivative 110%. It it is such a different movie from Empire that it's really difficult to draw the comparison. And when I say there's ways you can, you know, the scene on Crate where you see the walkers walking toward the base that the rebels are in. 100%. Yeah. Right. You know, very much like but, Hoth, very much yeah. like Hoth, but inverted, right? Yes. Inverted because it's toward the end of the movie. Very different scenario because you have, you know, the rebels now numbering in the tens as opposed to the hundreds or thousands yeah. that they once were. Very different situation. But yes, could be construed as derivative. But when you look at the movie as a whole, there is no way that you can draw that same line that people did with Force Awakens to New Hope and do that with last Jedi to empire. It is, it stands Mm. on its own. And I think that's one of the reasons why there was a lot of 
you know, fervor for it and a lot of, uh, you know, positivity and, and you know, like you mentioned with Rotten Tomatoes, a lot of high ratings is because I think that's what people were clamoring for was some something original, something that was different mm-hmm. um, with the same set of, you know, with similar, char- you know, characters we were familiar with, but something different with them. And we'll get into a little bit more like what some of those things were uh, in, in a moment here. But yeah, I, I, I feel like there are unfortunately just people who either because it's, they spend a lot of time on social media or, or what it is, but they somehow are able to elevate their voice of negativity above what is the positivity that is about a certain thing. And, you know, it's, it's one of those things where I just kind of wish you could just ignore it and, and, you know, not even acknowledge it, you know, um, mm. but it's there and, and it has, you know, kind of marred the, the last Jedi to some degree because, there are, are, you know, some of that negativity, I think, has swayed some people. I think it has, you know, caused there to be some, some of, uh, you know, rethinking of it. But at the end of the day, you know, I mean, to the point where Rian Johnson, I mean, he was supposed to do, I don't know if he was supposed to do Rise of Skywalker or uh, he was going to do his own trilogy at one point. And I don't even think that's a thing anymore, you know. So I think he's suffered mm. to some degree from it. But I don't understand why, because I, I've, I've always contended from the outset that, the genius of what he did was put forth in my mind, an original star Wars story with characters we were familiar with. And, and if, if he's going to get dinged for trying to do something original and different then you know, ding him, but at, at least he tried, you know, and, and, and you can't point to it and say, Oh, you did something exactly like empire because at some point you're just complaining to complain. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like you can't have it both ways. You can't complain that it's derivative and complain that it's original because you, it wasn't like what you wanted. That's just ridiculous. But oh, don't um, say that. There's there's a star. There's a group of Star Wars fans out there who are like, oh, I can't hold my spotchka. Right now, I I do know one thing that that really rankled a lot of fans was the way it kind of broke the the view or vision of Luke as the bearer of hope, and the way yes. that it kind of brought him down and made him the cynical disconnected from the force, you know, let the Jedi die, you know, just everything that was the antithesis of Luke in the original trilogy. And I, and I think that bothered a lot of people. And, and I do understand that to a degree because you, you, you know, you have these memories and, and he was meant to be that bearer of hope, but I credit Rian Johnson for taking him there because unfortunately I do think that is something that we all go through, no matter how heroic or how great we, we may go through a particular phase of our life, there may be a phase that knocks us down. And mm-hmm. I thought it was very humanizing to see Luke in that way. Um, so I, yeah. as a fan, didn't mind it because, you know, while it is a little bit of reality creeping into the fantasy, I think it, to me, it helped, you know, make the fantasy be more real in a way because I'm like, I can, you know, I can relate to that. You know, not that I failed in the way that he did or anything like that, but, but you can relate to the idea of getting knocked down and, 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 and having disappointment and discouragement because of it. Um, and then, yeah. you know, seeing, seeing where there is hope and then kind of coming out of it. So I, yeah. So, so those are my thoughts. How about you, sir? I've been babbling for five minutes, I think. And, and much like Luke in this movie, uh, the man they call Tim, he may get knocked down, but he gets up again. You're never going to keep him down. Damn right. He drinks a whiskey drink. He drinks a lager drink. He drinks a cider drink. Ah, there we go. Of drinks course, a seltzer I, drink. I, I know that's going to be a seltzer. That's. 
<laughs> now, if we'd heard a cork pop, I well, know that's exactly right. what's going that's on right. there. <laughs> Um, So one thing I wanted to point out here, and I wanted to read this a little bit here. This is uh, from The Hollywood Reporter, an article written by a friend of the – well, I I was going to say friend of the show, but after we railed on uh, Picard – or I railed on Picard season two, of which this gentleman was a writer. Uh, I don't know how much of a friend of the show he's going to be. Not that he really ever was. He, <laughs> he doesn't know we exist, but you know, we like to say that, you know, we're, we're palsies, but uh, Mark Bernardin, who is also the co-host of uh, fat man beyond with Kevin Smith. Uh, once upon a time was a, a writer of note for different magazines uh, dealing with the entertainment biz before he got into actually writing the entertainment itself. Um, and he wrote about, the last Jedi. And he, he covered a lot of ground in this and some of which I'd, I'd like to, I kind of want to bring into this, uh, as well, but the last two, the very end of his article, uh, to me is, is, uh, so well, uh, of a sum up of this that I just want to kind of throw it out. Uh, I'll link to it in the show notes and, and definitely make sure that you read it because it is very well done and covers a lot of ground and, and really kind of probably summarizes a lot better than the two idiots you're listening to right now. But uh, Mark McKnighton writes thusly, no diehard fan wants to imagine himself as old Luke Skywalker hiding on an island from everything new, anything that might shake his steadfast belief in how the world is supposed to be. But if you saw the original Star Wars in the theater, that's who you are, unless you find a way to open yourself to heroes designed to hook a new generation while still resonating with yours. Those who haven't are lashing out at everything that reminds them that they're no longer young Luke staring off into the horizon of a future still dawning like twin suns. They are forgetting the very things that spoke to them about Star Wars in the first place and the warnings of a little green puppet about the perils of anger. Mm-hmm. So I think that part of the problem is, and, and you and you express this as well, so I just want to kind of sum it up. Last Jedi subverts expectations at every single turn. Oh, every yeah. single turn. Oh, yeah. You know, if you think they're going left, they are going right. If you think they're going right, they're going left. You think they're going to back up, they're going, you know, full on light speed ahead. Um, I mean, you see you see kind of a, a fracture in the in the resistance. You know, you see friction between Leia and Poe, which you've never seen really before. I mean, the most you, you kind of got is. Man, I don't really you, you really didn't see any of that. It was always like the rebels were always together and were allied against the the evil empire. And here you have like a dude who's going into business for himself against Leia. I mean, of all people, <laughs> you know. Right. And uh right. you you have the former hero who isn't who he used to be, which would be of course Luke, and not who we think he's going to be now because you you think you're you're thinking he's going to be Obi-Wan. He's going to be he's going to be the Alec Guinness Obi-Wan and he's going to be the kindly old wizard who's going to ah yes let me let me help you and I'll lead you and ah yes we'll confront them together. He's not that. Although in a way no, the funny thing no. is he is actually very much Obi-Wan because he he trained the person who is now responsible for all these horrible things happening. Right. Right. And 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 to kind of to kind of get to your point of of you know of understanding that of understanding Luke's jadedness is like well think about this for a moment you know he knew he knows the whole story with Obi Wan and and Anakin and how Vader came about well I know that now so I'm not going to repeat that mistake and guess what he repeated the mistake and now that there's there's blood directly on his hands and and he's got to be like well 
if I didn't learn from the mistake, I mean, how how bad am I now? Like I'm not it, it wasn't Obi-Wan making the mistake in the first place. I knew that I I dealt with it. I was partly responsible for how that whole thing resolved. And guess what? I still ended up doing the same thing. Hmm. And <laughs> it was with my it was with my nephew. It's my it's my it's my it's my sister's kid. You know, like, yeah, it, it's like it's it's what happened with Obi-Wan even worse. And people are like, I don't understand why he's not so hopeful. Oh, my gosh. Really? You saw like who he was as a as a young man, like how emotional he was and, and, and all this. You don't think that's going to come back out yeah. after, after he gets thrashed in that way emotionally? Are you kidding me? I mean, listening to hear you say it, I mean, or, or, or talk through it the the shadow of obi-wan is over a lot of this right totally I mean, he's luke is trying to do the right thing when he sees his nephew turning and then he realizes he can't do the thing that he probably should do to eliminate him and prevent the darkness from becoming what he can see it becoming because mm-hmm. he's trying to be you know the good person and and but yet he's you know clearly struggling with what he witnessed Obi-Wan go through, which is having to deal with facing down, you know, someone who you care about, who is, who is just walking an evil path that you cannot follow. Mm-hmm. And so it's, it, it, it is, it, it tackles a very difficult issue, you know, especially for Luke where, you know, he's seen this play out before with his father and he knows how that story went. And so now what, when he's facing it, what does he do? Does, you know, it's, I mean, I hate to say it this way, but, you know, if you know Hitler's going to be Hitler, do you try to take him out early, you know, um, before mm-hmm. everything takes place? But um, but as we see in the movie, he doesn't. And and but that has a consequence in, in and of itself, because now Ren knows, you know, or at least believes where Luke's head is at with him. His mind is made up. So, you know, he's he's off. He's even further down the path than he already was. So. It's, yep. it's, it's an interesting thing to think about. And that's the thing is like, that's what makes great movies great. You know, when they make you think about stuff like this mm-hmm. and then you take, and then just two more, I mean, uh, Ray is from nothing and everyone's like, Oh my gosh, she's got to be related to, to Skywalker or this and that. Nope. Nope. She ain't related. Biggest it, missed opportunity with rise of Skywalker was having to link her to someone of, of, yes. of consequence. I yep. thought that was so brilliant of Rian Johnson. And if you look at it, if you want to draw a line, to, sorry, I don't mean to interrupt you, but just no, real quick, to draw a line from Last Jedi to Empire, it is the antithesis. Like you said, it subverts expectation. We're expecting, how on earth are they going to drop a bomb the way that they dropped a bomb with Empire where Luke finds out that Vader's his father? And the way they play that out is by not even dropping the bomb. The bomb is, yes. you're a nobody. That's the bomb. And I think that I think that was brilliant on his part is you don't try to match or exceed what they did in Empire. You go the absolute other way. And while it is anticlimactic, it opens up a whole other different possibility now for this character that you haven't seen before, because there isn't this lineage that you're trying to live up to. Exactly. Totally. Absolutely. Totally. 100%. And then another, and kind of the last example I have is, is you don't have that Vader uh, Palpatine dynamic. 
Kylo God. decides like, you know what? I've I'm let's just take out the old, you know, gigantic disfigured dude right now. And whoa, okay. Wasn't really <laughs> Yeah. Didn't see that coming. Yeah. Um so yeah, every every time you think something's going to happen, it it goes the other way. And that was what was so bold about that. And and and, and I Ren's think journey is fascinating. Right. Oh, because he, he totally. bounces. He bounces back and forth between is he going to go like his fa- his grandfather and, and turn back? Nope. Yep. I just took out the supreme leader. Guess what I want now? <laughs> well, and the thing is, and, and this is something else that I think needs to be kept in mind, because there's a lot of people who are complaining about this right after it came out, certainly. And, you know, were allowed right from the beginning. If and it's my contention that if JJ and company hadn't course corrected so hard for the next movie, for episode nine, some of the things that people were, were pissing and moaning about from episode eight would have, would have been folded in mm-hmm. and would have been like, oh, okay, I see what you're doing now. Yep. Because it was yep. such a great, like, in my opinion, Rian Johnson set them up wonderfully for an episode nine where, where when if you, when Kylo Ren turns to the, to, to the light, it means a lot more because he is truly the big bad. And, and it really is something. Or if, if he doesn't, or if he doesn't turn to the light and Ray just has to take him out, maybe that's the thing. But again, it, it gives you a, the, the setup was towards that, but of course you can't, you know, get away from. And the funny thing is too, is that, this was really kind of one of the first things that one of the first stories in star Wars that started expanding the universe beyond what we had seen. And it, and, and it's kind of funny because I don't know how, how well received something like Mando is if we hadn't gone through the growing pains with last Jedi, you know what I mean? Because it was, it it started coloring outside the lines and it does something that, that fans and critics right now are complaining a lot about because there is this big complaint because with with Mando and and Book of Boba Fett specifically and now Obi Wan uh, is that we oh well again we're back on Tatooine we've all, it always goes back to Tatooine always back to Tatooine Tatooine's nowhere in this like there's no there's no familiar places like every place that you are in this movie is someplace new whether it's you know Luke's island off you know in wherever uh you know the the salt planet canto bite like these are all new places yeah yep and again like kind of fulfills that spectacle piece that we want from movies like this but yet people gonna complain so let's uh let's kind of oh. dive in here oh go, go right ahead sir you had to follow actually never mind I'll, I'll throw this in when we talk about what we like go ahead Okay, so let's start off uh, with some of that negativity, because, you know, as Palpatine said, let the hate flow through you. And uh, let the hate flow through you. We don't want you to think that we are so utterly biased that we are and drinking like the the, the Rianne Johnson Kool-Aid here that we don't think there's anything wrong with the movie. Because, I mean, there is mm-hmm. not a perfect just film, like, not a perfect just like film, anything, you know, Um so what do you think that Last Jedi did poorly or or wasn't quite as good as it could have been, you feel? I th- I thought it was I uh, let, let's let's talk it through, but I I really felt there was a huge disservice done to the Hux character 
by turning him into comic relief. I, I really felt like after force awakens, you know, n- not that there was anything about Hux in terms of, you know, like with Ren where, where Kylo Ren was, you know, clearly a strong force user and, and that kind of thing. But I just felt like Hux was kind of this different character, kind of like along the lines of, you know, grand Moff Tarkin, but mm. now part of this first order. And, and I, I really don't understand why there was a decision to make him be the butt of a lot of jokes because I felt the way Dominic Gleason played him, especially in force awakens. He, I mean, there was this really like kind of scary scene where, you know, he's standing on, on uh, Starkiller base looking up and, and, and the brightness or, or whatever it was of what was going on with, with the weapon firing you know, was, was just all over his eyes. So he just had this sort of like, almost like zombie look to himself, but, but it played perfectly into the scene of the first order being all lined up and, and kind of observing the, the decimation that was going on when they fired that weapon. And I'm like, why could, like, you couldn't have done anything more with him. You know what I mean? Like that I had a problem with because I really felt like that was another missed opportunity. He here could have been a character that, could have been this ruthless and and that's one of the things sometimes i think star wars doesn't do well is they 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 so you know to 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 go to the wrestling example they they so go the route of the brooklyn brawler with 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 the empire by by making him the jobber you know what i mean yeah (laughs) it's like they don't they don't ever let him really get vicious no, they they don't let them become like a like like a triple h you know who is someone who can lose but he doesn't lose the viciousness and, and, and the aura around him when he loses, you know what I mean? Like, that's the thing. And, and for some reason they, they just decided to go this, this comic relief route with him, which I was disappointed by. Um, now, now can you just give some specific examples? Because I can think of uh, obviously that opening scene. It, yeah. So there's the opening looks, scene with Poe. The right. There's the opening scene with Poe. And then, um, when you go later into the film, um, you know, when they're on crate and, uh, you know, Ren wants to go down to the surface to face off against Luke and, you know, both Ren and Hux are, you know, just yelling orders and being obnoxious and, you know, Ren just kind of throws him to the side with the force and it, mm. it just like the way it's done just feels weird. You know what I mean? And, and it just feels like it just diminishes the character. Yeah, I, I can agree with that. There, there was a little bit, if I do agree there, it's a little bit jokey. The, that is one of the things that there, and I, I think it's, it's reflected in some of what, Ir, uh, uh, oh my gosh, Ir, Irwin Kirshner. Yeah. Yeah. Is it Irvin Kirshner? Uh, I think it's Irvin. Okay. I think you're no, right. No, Ir, I think Irwin. I think it's Irwin. Irwin. Okay, uh, Mr. Kirshner. Let's go. Let's just go with that because I mean, damn it, he deserves. Corporal Kirshner? No, I'm kidding. Uh, no, uh, a little bit different. Uh, but when he's talking about when he was when he was going to be the director for uh, episode five, and he says, "I have to have humor, but I can't have gags," and I was like, it, "That really is a thing. Like you have to you have to find the right tone, and that is one of the things I would say is a, is a valid criticism, is that." Rian Johnson did venture into jokiness a bit more than what I think was necessary. I, I think there mm. were definitely some points in there that were good and that 
again, it, it, we're subversive because you don't expect that kind of thing from Star Wars. But the, it, there were times when, yeah, like you don't need to do the Hulk knocking Thor out of frame every everything they did every you know every movie like they did with Ren just throwing you know Hux to the side or whatever. Right. There are there are times when you can have kind of that that joke that kind of lets off a little steam without go- venturing in that territory. I, I think you're right. And that, oh, and, and that and, did detract as well. And, yeah. And the other part was when, when the Hildo maneuver happened, um, you know, just before that, you know, Hux looks like kind of an idiot, you know, where he's like, Oh, they're, the ship is turning. And it's like, Oh, just keep fire. Like, you know, again, it's, it's, I mean, it's not so much focused on him more than it is making the empire, you know, kind of the jobbers here, but there comes a point where you look at the you know the first order empire whatever you want to call them and say how often do you guys have to have all this firepower and get completely hosed time and time again you know what well, i mean yeah. like like yeah. and and i get it that part of it is the point with with them that that they are you know they they should be the goliath to the to the resistance's david but at the same time i'm just like he can't be so stupid all the time though. You know what I mean? Like, which no, I, I guess I, I is totally one of the agree. reasons why Thrawn is such a great character in my mind is because he's the one Imperial character where they don't have him act like a total moron. Exactly. But, um, but anyways, yeah. And you're totally, you're totally valid in that. And I, I would, I would say though, with some of that, you do have to, you do have to suspend disbelief on some of that because it's been established by George Lucas that, you know, this is how it works. I mean, and it's throughout all of it, like stormtroopers, you know, oh, only Imperial stormtroopers are this precise. And then they proceed to hit nothing for the rest of the entire saga. Um, it, it is that type of thing where there are certain things that you just have to be like, okay, this is just kind of how these things work in this universe. But no, you're totally right. That is a that is a point of like, why wouldn't, you know, oh, the ship is turning towards us. I would think, you know, we've got, this gigantic flying wing of a spaceship that apparently only has one cannon because they're only taking out one of these shuttles at a time, even though you've got this gigantic ship and like three star destroyers, by the way, which are, you know, not little, you know, unarmed craft. Right. Hey, uh, star destroyer three, nine, one. How about you shoot them? I mean, you could still be picking off all your little shuttles and they can fire on that. But nah, let's not pay attention to them. But then again, that kind of goes back to, you know, back in episode four when it's like, oh, we're under attack with this gigantic space station that's the size of a small moon. Launch the alert fighters, all four of them. Right. That's all we got. Right. No, but we're going to hold the rest in reserve. For what? (laughs) You know, I'm feeling saucy today. You know damn well there's more than four TIE fighters in that friggin' th- in that friggin' oh, gigantic man. thing, but they never launch more than like two or three, maybe five if it's a real big emergency. Here's like, the thing. Here if, if I can steal Uncle Todd. Even the here, Cylons, here, even the Cylons were smarter than this. You saw the, the Cylons thing. did it right. They're launching missiles, there's like eight thousand you know, fighters coming at at the Galactica. Like that's how you do it, ladies and gentlemen. Just swarm them. <laughs> nah, send out, send out four. I'm sure it'll be fine. Uh, here's the thing. Uh, yes. I felt they had a great opportunity in this movie to, you know, when, like when you think about A New Hope, what makes the Death Star scene when Luke launches the torpedoes 
and, and lands them and blows up the Death Star is because everything else leading up to that point, the Empire looked unstoppable. Like, yes, that movie really doesn't have cases where the the Empire looks foolish. They're out, you know, they, they send out four TIE fighters after the Falcon. They shoot them down. Fine. Wh- whatever. They, they got lucky, let's say. Right. They don't look stupid. And they they look vicious and they had an opportunity in this movie to do that. And and they kind of let it go a little bit because you I, I mean, the brilliance of the story is this is literally the resistance getting whittled down across this movie from, you know, maybe in the thousands to the hundreds to the tens, you yeah. know, literally going to be wiped out finally by the remnant of the empire. And you couldn't have like just played it serious up until the end and then job them out, you know, like literally like, again, going to wrestling and, and, and you already said it, it's, it's the hot tag. Right, it's the baby face hot tag. Let him get, let one guy get yep. pummeled into submission for twenty minutes of the match, and then he makes the tag to his partner, and it's like a house of fire. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And, yep. and that that to me is what was kind of missing from it. Yeah, yeah, I and I agree. Uh, but again, it's it, some of these things that people are. It's like it. It's tradition now. Like this is what the movies are. It's been established. It was established by the Godfather himself, George George Lucas, established some of these things. But as and it's you like said, if you if you got a problem with it, go talk to George, and you know you can listen to him. Well, you know, I think that's <laughs> and then he goes and takes a nap. I mean, whatever. Or has a sandwich. <laughs> well, that too. Uh, maybe a sandwich and then a nap. I mean, you know. Who, who honestly who doesn't like to have a sandwich and a nap i i i did that today actually rare now that i think the, about it rare is the person who can't enjoy a sandwich and a nap i i, I actually did that today i made myself a nice <laughs> egg, egg and bacon bagel sandwich for lunch and then i said you know what i'm gonna go have a nap i'm gonna sleep this one off <laughs> it was glorious it was everything that i dreamed it was going to be oh that's great that's great yeah yeah, no, I I agree that that is that is a missed opportunity. Truly, truly, it is. How about you? Anything sir? else? I, well, oh, I, okay. I I had one more real quick, and and that is just around uh, Benicio del Toro's character. Yeah. Um, watching the movie again, both yesterday and today, um, and and having read the Thrawn trilogy, there there is the concept. You, you know, we we have the concept of hacking in our world. Um, in Star Wars parlance, they're called slicers. And I thought it was a missed opportunity to not have a little bit more with his character. Um, I know given the context of the story, like how do you work that in exactly? But I kind of felt like if maybe you had a different, you know, nothing wrong with, with, with the Kanto bite excursion from my perspective, it just would have been nice to kind of establish him a little bit more and, you know, kind of try to, somehow delve into him as a character and, and as, you know, a slicer a little bit more to just kind of explore something that hadn't been really explored in a Star Wars vehicle before. Maybe it's yeah. something for the Pluse. Maybe it's something for Mando or one of the other shows, but I just really liked his character and I felt he he could have been so much more and it was just kind of like, a, hey, there's Benicio Del Toro. We're going to have him do the stuttering thing from Usual Suspects and then send him on his way. Um, yeah. You know, like, I just felt like they they could have done more with him, so. That is all. I I would agree. Um, 
and actually to I'll dovetail that into one of my first things that I think that uh, Last Jedi does poorly. And and I think it's a little bit of the uh, same thing that we talked about with Picard season two. It, Last Jedi is trying really hard to have a lot of stuff going on. It It is like if you took the amount of story contained in The Last Jedi, it is essentially three phantom menaces worth of storytelling and it's done very quickly and economically and i mean i can't i can't fault rian johnson for for what he manages to fit in there and how he fits it in there he did and it it works but man you could have cut out as much as i disliked phantom menace for moving so damn slow this one moves really fast and and you're gonna miss opportunities because you're like you're saying, you're throwing something in there, like the slicer, uh, and well, how are you going to develop that? No, you've already got like two or three other, you know, you've got two or three other irons in the fire. You got to pay these things off. And that was when I was rewatching it today. Like that was one of the things that struck me. I'm like, man, there's a whole lot going on in this thing, isn't there? Yeah. You know, you kind of forget that, like, oh my gosh, all this happened in one flick. And I think if if you would taken away some of those things you'd streamlined it a bit more maybe it would have been a little bit better i don't know um i mean to me like that the the entire cantabite like side quest was a bit bloated and it was a like i get mm-hmm. what you're trying to do and i do appreciate some of the things that you were you're putting in there and and the the aspects you're trying to incorporate into this galaxy and the points you're trying to make i i appreciate all that but man you already got so much else going on I don't know that this was the place to do it, you know? Um, it, it almost th- feels like they should have started it earlier in the film. Like when you think about, and I, you know, again, drawing a line to Empire, you know, you had three storylines going on in Empire and you could have done something with him and with that setting a little bit more if maybe you started it earlier. Like let's say Finn and Rose take off, you know, from the planet before they 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 blow up the resistance base. You know what I mean? Like that early in the film at least it gives you some time to kind of traverse the main arc with the empire, the, you know, Ray and Luke arc. And then you have this third one that's kind of going on the side and yes, it's very empire like, but it would have been nice, you know, if they kind of could have framed it that way. Cause I think they could have developed the characters more. Well, yeah. And if, if nothing else have, I don't know. I mean, you could have you could have found a way to I mean, I was just thinking like maybe if maybe if one of those characters, maybe if Rose's character was already on Cantabite, you know, or or Finn right, was on Cantabite right. or, or whatever, like you have someone already there instead of like just both of them having to go off and all. That. Anyways. But yeah, there was a there was a lot and there's and they spent a lot of time on Cantabite and and ultimately all that for, like you said, like a couple seconds of screen time of like, oh, he opens a door. Like he gets up to the shield and he opens a door and that's it. It's like you're you mean to tell me like that's the one like that's again, it, it totally minimizes what that character could have done and what that means to the overall story. But again, exactly. you have so much stuff going on. Um, There is a lot of disbelief that has to be suspended here, even more so for than for a Star Wars flick, because there there are things that you just kind of have to go with that. They just happen at this pace. It's not other, it's just Star Wars has its own set of rules for how things behave, um, where it takes like four freaking ever for those bombers to fly in space over the ship 
even though they showed up out of nowhere. So they have to be able to move somewhat quickly. But then when they get there, all of a sudden it's like, my mama done told me to go bomb the dreadnought. It's like, oh, my gosh. I mean, they're standing still. It's crazy. Now, I got to ask, are the bombers going Bantha speed or a little bit faster? Um, or or is it a know. tie? They were. They might have been actually slower. They were operating like three quarters of a bantha, like a bantha with a limp. Might have been. Might have been where they were at. Like a bantha with a fungal infection on one foot, and so they're they're kind of just off a little. Um, but you have to. The biggest thing is here. You have to suspend even more disbelief because it's like, well. Wouldn't the Empire just jump like them Star Destroyers in front of the the Resistance and you still got Snoke in back of them? Now you got them caught. But no, we're not going to do that. Okay, fine. And then a little bit more disbelief that, okay, well, but Rose and Finn have plenty of fuel to go like pimping off to Cantobite, even though fuel is like so, okay, fine, whatever. Um Man, I, I I do I think another person who really suffered in this movie a little bit, um, and then it was further compounded by just how egregious um, things got in in Rise of Skywalker is Finn's character. Oh, we agreed. get a we get a little bit of character development. There's a the the comic relief intro I felt was not really necessary. Um. We do actually, I mean, you do see some character movement, but granted, it's only good considering the the context of how badly the character was handled in Last Jet in a in a Rise of Skywalker, um, and and kind of the same with Rose. Like Rose's character might as well have not even been in that third flick, um, but it does kind of suck that we see that because Finn was kind of one of those characters. Like, oh, this is a new and and really didn't. I don't know. It, it just didn't seem like that character had much of an arc that besides like that, finally that thing of like trying to kind of atone for things and was going to sacrifice himself to try and take out that death star weapon, which was, mm. he wasn't going to do anything anyways, but anyway. um, and then a lot of the, the entire Cantabite side quest was very bloated um, for the impact that it ended up having. Like I get it. It was, it was very nice sets and all that, but the, the, the chase on the space horses, like, Oh my gosh, that's okay. I didn't need that. Um, you know, I get what they're, they're trying to prove here, but again, it's like, you've only got a couple hours here. Like this is precious time that you, you could be doing other things with. And it really didn't help to, to develop either Rose or Finn as, Mm -hmm. as characters. So it was like, ah, it, it just kind of ended up being, eye candy that wasted some time you could have used on something else. Yeah. Yeah. So those are kind of my nits to pick with the flick. Uh, if I, I think Canto bite could have been like cloud city V two, but they didn't dedicate the right amount of time to it. Well, it's not, that they didn't dedicate the right amount of time. It was just because, I mean, I bet if you added up the, the screen time, it would probably be similar because that's, well, it felt like, but it felt like they didn't use, they didn't use it to develop characters and they didn't use it to, it wasn't, they tried to like, Oh, well we need to have a set piece here. And unfortunately the set piece didn't involve, it wasn't like, you know, Vader and Luke dueling it out, um, in cloud city. 
which is an iconic lightsaber duel right. that went everywhere, you know, here, there, and everywhere. It was a no, it was a uh, no holds barred, falls count anywhere match. Right. But I, but you, unfortunately, this set piece involved like two, you know, second tier characters. So it didn't have the same impact. It's like, well, if you're not, if Ray isn't there or Kylo isn't there or, or Leia isn't there, is it really worth this amount of screen time to prove mm-hmm. a point? Like, hey, guess what? There's bad people besides the First Order. And, but are they really bad because there's this whole thing of supporting this war and that's who's really making out in this deal? Mm-hmm. Like, okay, I get it. And you know what? Totally valid. And, and it adds some depth to what is, you know, on a surface, kind of a very like good guys versus bad guys. Well, you know, there is this under layer of all of this. I get it. But do we need to now spend that much time without developing anybody really that much? Like, I get it. Rose fills in Finn and we get a little background on Rose. That's great. But I mean, it, it doesn't some, do anything for Finn. Some of it is, cl- but some of it's screen time and some of it is the context of the, of the story. Like when they go to Canto Bight, the resistance has six hours of fuel. You know what I mean? Like you can't yeah. spend a lot of time there. You know what I mean? Well, so it was, so it was the story... 18 hours. It was 18 hours when they left. And then it was like six hours. So they've oh, already was been it? there. Okay. Okay. Yeah. It was like a ton. It was a ton of time. Still, that they spent same, there. same thing. You can't spend a lot of time there, you know, because there's yeah. in the story, there's something else going on. That's, that's limiting them and, or is motivating them to be done quickly. And, and in my mind, if they had started earlier in the film and if it was set up, slightly differently like i think the whole thing with finn was really weak in the beginning where he's trying to like jump in the escape pod i think that was stupid um yeah i think yeah. they could have done something very different with him and and rose and started that off in a very different direction that i think would have done more justice to the characters um you know long term but anyways yeah no i agree i i definitely agree so now that leads us to uh fawning adoration uh because uh, uh, what did the what did the last jedi do well from the dark to the light yes yes we we want to we want to come to the light indeed so what do you feel the last jedi did well sir well i don't want to steal all your your thunder cuz you cover a lot of good stuff in our in our in our notes here for the show but uh, i'll i'll just jump right into the you know, really the Ray and, and, and like kind of the thing that I came away with and I was hoping they were going to run with in, in the third movie was the establishment of force users maybe being a little bit more um, in the populace of the galaxy than we've been led to believe prior mm-hmm. um, yep. between Ray and the establishment of her being from no, you know, or at least at the time of the movie, no origin of significance um, the fact that at the end of the movie, we see the boy who goes to sweep and he calls the broom to his hand through the force. I thought they were going in a direction of, instead of it being the Skywalkers as the blessed light side, good guys who could use the force is now the force is actually, you know, especially when you think about episode seven being called the force awakens. I know that was really just about Ray and it awakening in her, but I was wondering, are they going in a direction now that the force is awakened in a different way where a lot more people who are not significantly tied to certain families are going to come together in the third film to be this this army of sorts that is going to finally take the First Order down 
you know, in whatever form it, it, it takes, you know, I wasn't thinking the emperor, I was thinking something else, but, um, but that, that, that was kind of my thought process was I thought really, they, they did a really good job when we talk about subverting expectations of, you know, having Luke kind of go through, like, here's where the Jedi failed. And, you know, here's, you know, almost kind of showing like ways they need to be different and Ray, you know, kind of being that, that next step of evolution and, and with her not really having any sort of tie to the first order or for really to anyone for that matter, just being this beacon of hope, I just felt it was a nice departure and something different that they could build upon in the film that followed. So I really appreciated that. I, I like the fact they didn't try to do, they didn't try to hot shot some sort of gimmick with her. Um, I know one of the theories that people had was she was Obi-Wan's daughter. I, I don't think that would have been any better if they had done that. I don't no. think it would have been any better. I like the fact they established it when she went into the dark side pit on, on Octo that she comes out realizing that, you know, the question she's trying to get answered just can't be answered. And, and I pulled up here the, the quote I, I just want to read because I think this is, this is fantastic. Um, if I can get my mouse. Uh, okay. When, when Kylo Ren and her are talking and he's like, do you want to know the truth about your parents or have you always known and you've just hidden it away? You know, the truth, say it. And she said they were nobody. And he says they were filthy junk traders who sold you off for drinking money. They're dead in a pauper's grave in the Jakku desert. You have no place in the story. You come from nothing. You're nothing. Like that was great stuff because I mean, he's so tearing her down with the intent of having her join him. But yet yeah. he's, he's laying out like the fact that this is who she is. And now where can they take the story and where can they build, you know, in that next movie with, with that background? I, I think, I think that was great. I thought it was going to really go in a different direction. So I, I chalk that up to being something they did extremely well in this movie was, was really subverting that sort of expectation of some major twist or something coming like what we got in empire and, and really just focusing it on Ray is going to be the hero. There's this boy and th there could be other like the, the, it's not so much about the boy himself, but just the, what he represents, which is, is there a wider group of people like him, you know, that could be mm -hmm. engaged in, in that third movie and become this like, you know, force that becomes what the resistance is looking for the, you know, what follows the spark that they talk about, you know, that lights the flame. Exactly. Yeah. No, I totally agree. And and I it also does a does well to increase just how bad of a of a character Kylo Ren is. Because he in that moment he's being incredibly manipulative in a very scummy way because he's like he's tearing Ray down but he's oh, like yeah. you know, you're nobody. You're nobody. But not to me. Yeah. Like trying oh, to yeah. like manipulate that. And I'm like, oh my gosh, what a dirtbag you are. Oh, yeah. You know, I was ready. Like the next movie, I'm like, I want to see this guy get his tail kicked in. Like, I, whatever happened to Snoke? Oh, too good for him. No, 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 no. Kylo <laughs> Ren should have remained evil Triple H. Yes. And it should have, it, it should have almost come down to like, you know, the Princess Bride, like to the death, no, to the pain, like that, <laughs> that sort of thing. <laughs> Like that's that was what Kylo Ren deserved, you know. But then we 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 completely retconned everything and oh, just that, uh, yeah. maybe maybe we'll have to do another episode. The popular opinion: Red rides a Skywalker, shakes. Yeah, um, with it, Jimmy Dice. But to, 
to kind of piggyback with what you were saying, though, it, one of the things that I think Last Jedi did really well is it is the best description of the Force in any Star Wars flick. And here we're talking when Luke is talking to Ray and Ray and asking Ray to picture what she sees. And so she's seeing the light, the dark, the ca- the hot, the warmth, the coldness, the the peace, the violence, all of that. And in between the force and and Luke goes into this, you know, you know, that's that's what it is. And and it's it doesn't it's never belonged to the Jedi to think that it does is foolish, you know, and, and this idea of like, oh, yeah, the force is this thing. It's it's not right. the Jedi's. The Jedi didn't come up with it. The Jedi just recognized it and built their religion around it, and 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 built this belief system and and this methodology of utilizing it. Mm-hmm. They didn't come up with it though. It's been there. That's a thing. It's independent of them. And that and that whole idea of of the Force to me is like that's the best description of it. And it and it does. It separates it from the Jedi in, in a way it, it, or at least shows you like it can exist separate from the Jedi. And it also further emphasizes like, and this can exist separate from someone with a last name of Skywalker. Mm. Like you're saying, like it doesn't have to be. And the, and this idea that like, you know, the, the Jedi existed for millennia and they were all different races from all the different planets and all these different people but then all of a sudden, oh, so then nobody is in touch with the force after that? Or is it just there's nobody to find them? And this idea of like pretending like none of these other characters can be force users or, or force sensitive or anything like that, to yeah. me is like kind of one of the things in the in the OG trilogy that I get why you don't go there because it's primarily about these characters. But to think that like that's not going to get expanded on is kind of foolish. And they're like, oh my god, people are gas. Like, <gasps> how dare she not be a Skywalker, or at least a Kenobi? I'm like, well, what? The, 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 are you trying to tell me like every sky, every everyone, all these aliens were somehow related to you know a Skywalker or you know or you know wh- really? It's it's foolish. It's absolutely foolish. Because really, who was Anakin Skywalker? Like, what was the lineage of of the Skywalkers there? You know, they were from. Nothing. So yeah, I. I agree. Exactly. So it, it kind of fits. But no, we can't yeah. have that because we can't have nice things. Um, I mean, and, and then the spectacle, like some of the some of the set pieces here are just. To me, are iconic, like uh, and it starts with uh, with Poe's run on the dreadnought. And and yes, I, I, I get that, you know, Hux looks like looks like a fool. But to me, it's like it. That would that would if you're gonna if you're gonna have a comic relief bit like that's it because then you go right into this huge action set piece and it it gives you a little bit of relief and all this and okay yeah the empire looks like numbskulls again which kind of fits and then you can you can kind of catapult off of that it's like okay give him one mistake at the beginning but then it also would give you the chance to have Hux be more vicious as the as the movie goes along because now he's pissed off because he looked like an idiot at the beginning. Um, but of course, like that, you know, Poe doing the power slide in the X-Wing. Come on. Oh, yeah. That was just so utterly fracking cool. It's not even I, I can't even describe it. Um, well, there, there, the whole... there was a couple of callbacks to BSG in there. One of them was that because you never yep. really saw that in a Star Wars movie. But we did see that a lot of BSG where they kind of flip, you know, the ships around. Yes. And then the other one, which wasn't like a constant thing, was just that idea that you know, hey, if we hyperspace jump, they're going to find us 30 minutes later. Sound kind of familiar? <laughs> yeah. 
Hmm. I wonder where, where have I, I seen that, that before? Idea. Hmm. And they never really did explain that. And I guess that is another thing that they kind of did poorly. They never really did explain like what the tracking system was. You know what I mean? Like they never really got into that exactly like, oh, well, was there a tracker on a ship? Was it this? Was it that? They never really got into that. It was sort of like, ah, well, just, and again, I mean, hey, we're dealing with space magic. So, I mean, fine, whatever. But that's another thing that you could have used as a plot device and, and, and used as a way to explain and develop characters better. But hey, you know, it is what it is. And it's well established that there are things in the Star Wars universe that it's like, hey, it just is. Okay, fine. Mm-hmm. Again, go talk to go talk to George about it. He's the one who came up with all this stuff. Um, hold on maneuver again. Something that we've never seen in uh-huh. Star Wars was was just gobsmacking when it happened, uh, especially mm-hmm. with the fact that like you you have it happen and there is no sound and the sound doesn't come in till later. That's what was really jarring about that and, and was really well done as like a post-production decision of like, nope, this is just going to happen. And you're just going to sit there with no sound for a couple seconds. Yeah. <laughs> just to just to really kind of make you like literally hold your breath. Um, well, and, and, and that was great was was, you, you know, to use a gimmick like that, which had never been done before, but use it effectively. Yes. Like no one had ever used hyperspace. I mean, obviously, for obvious reasons, had used hyperspace as a weapon before. But what a great you know, time to, to kind of let that, that one fly, you know, and, yes. and to do it in such a visually effective way was, was awesome. Yeah. And, and again, another thing that got trashed is, you know, having that called out in, in rise of Skywalker in such a kind of flippant way is like, the Oh my gosh. Manova. Oh boy. Hopefully, you know, hopefully someone just took him off into the forest and, and thrashed him about the head and shoulders with a, with a, gigantic leaf or something like Chewbacca just taking him back out back and giving him like Gandalf a, took him out in the woods and <laughs> beat him senseless. that, that would have been nice um, you know again we mentioned it before like it totally sets up Kylo as a badass like it, it sets him up as like okay here's his chance at redemption he could turn he could, and, and, and to turn that and to turn away from that you know is is totally setting him up to be the big bad for the next movie and 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 a a character on par with vader of irredeemable evil um but of course we got to scuttle that because again we can't have nice things um then uh another thing is it this movie gives luke this redemptive arc which again makes total sense given what this character has been through that he gets this redemptive arc um in and a and a very graceful exit, you know what I mean. Like I, I just as much as as it's kind of, you know, it kind of sucks that you have to <laughs> you have to take out Luke Skywalker. In the context of the story, it makes sense, and it and it and it and it makes sense, especially when you consider the the example that he had watching Obi Wan mm-hmm. uh, sacrifice himself in order to cover the escape for Luke, Leia, Han, and Chewie. Um, the, the fact that he would do that and the, and the, the fact that Luke would offer himself up in that way. Um, mm. again, it, it's, it, I think it, I think that was done very well and was done in a way that was that, you know, even someone like me, who's, who's kind of looking at like, Oh, how, how's this happening? Just was like, Oh, didn't, didn't see that coming. Um, 
and and was done emotionally, but also tastefully. I think it wasn't it wasn't played. It wasn't all the juice wasn't wrung out of it emotionally. You right. know, um, and you know, I I don't you know I, I don't know unless there was a different kind of villain we would have been dealing with, but but I, I, it would have been very rare for there to be a character where I think fans could say, yeah, I could accept him taking out Luke. You know, I mean, it was one thing when Han was killed by Kylo, you know, with him being his, his father and everything. But I, like you said, I think the way it was handled was the right way, which isn't so much that someone killed Luke more than it was yeah. the fact that Luke, you know, sacrificed and did yep. it in a way that we've seen before. And, you know, that that's why I, I, I look at a lot of the negativity and, and feel like they don't really focus on what, you know, the genius of what Rian Johnson was doing, you know, like he mm-hmm. understood the legacy and the lore, you know, because the way that Luke goes out and the way it's played out, I felt was really well done. You know, like, like it was very poetic. It was, you know, it did justice to the character and it lived up to the story they were telling, which is that the legacy of Luke Skywalker will live on. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I, I, I thought it was handled in, in probably one of the best ways it could have been. Um, and not having him get jobbed out to a character because they're trying to, you know, elevate a new villain or something like that. And they want to go for shock value you know, that, that I think that was the right thing to do. You don't have Kylo or someone else take him out. You have him die because he was giving of himself. Well, and, and it, you know, again, it makes sense too, because, and it's very, it's a totally an echo of what happened in, you know, a new hope, because once again, I mean, he's covering an escape in the millennium Falcon. I mean, how much closer can you get? But at the same time, it's like he's not in in much the same way as Obi-Wan has said that he will not kill Anakin. You know, for whatever reason that he decided, you know, on Mustafar, like, nah, I'll just let him burn to death as long as my bl- then the blood isn't on my hands. <laughs> um, in the same way, like he, he knows he probably can't he knows that he can't beat Vader at that point. In A New Hope. But he also isn't going to try to necessarily kill him. And, and that, in in retrospect, it can kind of make sense of of that entire fight being the way it is, you know. And, and we know it's partly because of the way it was, you know, the time period it was, the age of Alec Guinness, all of those things, technology. Like you're not going to have the same lightsaber fights that you have now. All that granted, you can retrofit, you can retcon some of that story of like he's not trying to necessarily beat Darth Vader. He's not trying to kill him. He's just trying to buy time. You know, exactly. and in the same way, Luke does not want to f- actually fight Kylo Ren. He does not want to try to kill Kylo Ren. He's just trying to buy time. And that's why he that's why he's not going to jump in his X-Wing and go to, you know, to the salt planet and try and, you know, and, and try and take out Kylo. He's going to mm-hmm. do it in this way where he actually does not have to fight him. Yep. And and there's kind of a beauty to that. You know, um, agreed. Yeah, uh, of course. I mean, we get the return of Yoda, which was great, um, and and kind of a, a well, also Yoda laughing sh- like a madman. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> and, and, and not just he came back, but he came back. He brought the thunder and the lightning with him, and he was laughing about it the entire time. 
<laughs> oh yeah, and and kind of just again showing that Luke is still a little. There is still part of Luke that is, you know, that kid, and uh, you know that was just great. I, I thought that was done very well. Um, I, I thought it was great that it was a puppet and that it was not, it was not CGI, and you could tell it wasn't CGI Yoda from the prequel trilogies. It was like, oh, this is this is the Yoda that I remember from you know from Empire Strikes Back. That's what Yoda's supposed to look like. Not this like CGI thing that like, oh, well, yeah, see, it can move around. Yeah, but it's not the puppet. Um, another reason why it's great that Grogu is a puppet is it just it just looks, even though it looks worse, it, it looks better, if that makes any sense. Um, it does. Then you have, of course, the uh, you have two just epic uh, laser sword fights, which are fantastic. You have uh, Kylo and 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 Ray back to back in Snoke's throne room, which is again there are there are several things in here that I think are iconic, and that's definitely one of them. Um, then of course you have uh, Kylo and and Luke facing off against each other, uh, and 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 also just the lead up to that, like the gigantic fracking mini Death Star freaking cannon, uh, which is great. Uh, even though it takes approximately a day and a half for it to get into position so that everybody can have plenty of time to expound upon what it is. Uh, that's always interesting how the, how the empire never lands like right at the door. They always land like seven miles away and then use these, uh, use these, uh, vehicles that take a pro that only move like slightly faster than a Bantha to cover that mileage. So you can see them coming far away. You know, great idea, <laughs> but oh my gosh, those at ats! Oh, and I know they're they're supposed to be called ATATs, but I've called them at ats this long that I can't come around it. But oh my gosh, those things look badass. Those just look mean, um, and everything about those was was just great. Um, and then of course we have um, just the fact that this is is a totally different Star Wars movie from everything that came before that whole subversiveness of it is great i think and um and you know what i i will go on record as saying i think that it's great that we get some more female characters i think we get some some more characters who i mean aren't like mm -hmm. who aren't who aren't white who we get we get some more diversity in this universe you get some characters like you don't expect like even going something subtle like admiral hodo uh hodo holdo i don't know why <laughs> I, I always want to get what, – what, who am I thinking of? Um, I, I get Frodo and Holdo messed well, there, up. There was a character in Game of Thrones – there's a character <laughs> in Game of Thrones called Hodor. And you find out yes. that his name comes from him like repeating, hold the door, hold the door, and it's Hodor. Yeah. Uh, oh, my gosh. But anyways, uh, uh, Holdo, played by the, the wonderful Laura Dern – is is a is this you know vice admiral like a a, a a very much a mucky muck if you will in the in the resistance as much as you can be a mucky muck in an organization that is down to like you know 400 people by <laughs> by the end of the by midway through the movie but is not like dressed militarily is dressed very like very differently from what you would expect a a, a fighting soldier type to be I loved all of that because again, it's just, it's, it's giving you a lot of different texture, a lot of different, you know, a lot of different things to draw on in this galaxy that up until now has, 
has been kind of like very, uh, very much a straight line of like, oh, and then this and this and this and this and this. And it starts giving you more of that. And I, I think that's awesome. And of course, not always gone very well when it's when it's implemented, because, again, that's where the ugly side of Star Wars fans can come out, because there was a terrible brouhaha about just the, I, the fact that one, I mean, the audacity that we're going to have a, a you know, the, the lead in The Force Awakens is a girl. Oh, my gosh. A female. Oh, you know, this oh, game. We already have Leia. Isn't that enough? It's like, oh my gosh, really? Seriously, we're going to go through this? Uh, and then, of course, then oh, wait a minute, the stormtrooper is black? Oh my gosh! Like, seriously, folks. I mean, we're, we're like in the 21st century here. This shouldn't be shocking. Um, and then, of course, with, uh, with, uh, with the actor who played Rose basically having to, like, ditch social media because she was getting, you know, vile comments and threats, like death threats, is is ridiculous and it goes up until now where we see uh the the the, the actor who plays reva uh in 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 kenobi who is getting the same thing same sort of treatment and it, it for me it makes me swing harder in that other direction of like good let's let's have more let's have you know more diversity let's have more of 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 you know more texture and more more different people in in these in these shows and and you know what if you don't like it well Go watch something else. You know, I, I personally enjoy that and and think it's a good thing. So, you know, I think that's part of what makes Last Jedi a, a, a great Star Wars flick is that it mm-hmm. does up that ante of like, oh, hey, look, <laughs> it's a varied universe. Mm-hmm. Who would have thunk it? Mm-hmm. <sighs> Anyways, that's my my little bitty rant there that I can... Uh, go through there so i think we've we've kind of established our cases here but do you have any final arguments uh a closing argument uh you know a barrister chucky if you would uh for why the last jedi is a great star wars flick i concurrently uh would say your situation <laughs> will improve uh if you had two hundred dollars in your my back pocket no <laughs> I am so happy that there are gifs with that. Oh my gosh. <laughs> Retainer. Don't even um, need sound. I can hear it in my head as I see it. Absolutely. Um no, I mean I, I you know, I think we've I think we've dissected this movie pretty well. I think what makes it great and why I would be comfortable putting it in my top five is uh quite honestly, um, the originality behind it. Um yeah. the the way that it takes, you know, established, you know, kind of entities and, and constructs, you know, the resistance, the empire and, and has one with a, a rather mighty leverage against the other. And, and really, you know, th- this movie is, is very focused in terms of the time frame that it takes place in, you know, it's right after force awakens. It's, it's a, a question of about 18 hours. And, um, and so it's, it's, you know, the focus behind it, the originality behind it, um, the way it goes about, you know, telling Ray's kind of hero's journey, the the way that it uses Luke as the, the wise, but, you know, yet jaded wizard, um, and, and, and how that plays out. I mean, just so much of it is, is, is just off the beaten path of what we had seen before. And, you know, quite honestly, I think that's what Star Wars fans were looking for. And I think as, you know, as Uncle Todd quoted at, at the top of this, you know, entry into the topic that, 
you know, the, the ratings bear out, you know, what people, what, what I think the majority thought about it, which was that it was a quality outing, that it was a great film, um, for, um, you know, for all the reasons we've kind of talked through, you know, that, that, you know, it's not a perfect film, you know, we've, 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 I think established that there are some things that could have been done better, but I think overall, you know, to be an outing that, you know, really could be called original and, Yes, it had a, a few scenes here and there that you could claim are derivative. But I, again, I challenge someone to point directly to a prior Star Wars film and tell me that this film completely mimics the blueprint of something before it. And and you can't, you just can't because it's, it's, it's different enough and it's, and it's a, an, an original story and it's trying to forward along a tri- an, an original trilogy to be, you know, be perfectly honest that I think it's t- trying to take, what was force awakens, which was very, you know, very much derivative of a new hope and try to steer it in a direction that was going to have an original, you know, kind of journey and ending to it. And, and unfortunately they didn't commit to the very things that Rian, Rian Johnson established. I, I think, you know, as we said, he established some originality with Ray, with Kylo Ren, um, with the, the tearing down of the resistance and where that all could have gone. And instead they went with gimmicks uh, in, in that third film. And so, um, but I think Last Jedi stands as a great Star Wars movie because of, of those things we talked about and, and just the fact that it brought originality into the franchise that we hadn't really seen in a long time. Here, here, I agree. And I mean, I think the, I think the, <laughs> I think the it it really took seeing the follow up mm. to this to really understand just like oh we didn't know how good we had it we we thought that we <laughs> thought the return of the jedi was a, you know you you were like oh you know ah just a bunch of ewoks okay fine i guess i can bear through that like ain't nothing compared to like what you had to get through with rise of skywalker trying to after seeing last Jedi to me, it's like, Oh wow. The, the, the drop in, in quality is not visually or anything like that, but it is high. Like, and, and my gosh, just the possibilities that you could have gone through and this is where you wound up. Oh yeah. Chef's kiss my friend. Yeah. And I, I think that you have to look at it. Like if you, if you look at like iconic, uh, lightsaber battles, you're you're trying to tell me that you're not going to put Kylo Luke in there. You're not going to put, you know, Snoke's throne room showdown in that. Come on, those those are iconic. If if only for just the setting, like you had said, like they're just you see that and you're like, wow, that just looks freaking cool, you know? Um, yeah, there's it, there's just so much in that movie that was that was good, and then the possibility of what could have been, and and I think did did everything that you could want from a the middle chapter of a trilogy because again that is this that's the second act is where everything just goes completely to hell mm. that's, that's where yeah. your your heroes are at their at their lowest that is when everything is stacked against them and that's what makes the third act so great is because the, then you get to see the heroes pull themselves out of the out of the hole and overcome and you tell me I mean, you thought, you know, we all thought that, oh, my gosh, yeah, Return of the Jedi. I mean, uh, I'm sorry, uh, Empire Strikes Back is so good because, yeah, just they've just lost in this. And, and it's all, it looks like, oh, my gosh, we're in such dire straits. Whew. 
they had, they still had some ships then. Like mm-hmm. the, the final there, like Luke gets his new hand on the ship and they're staring out the window and there's a bunch, there's a fleet. They ain't got nothing at, at the nope. end of uh, end of Last Jedi. Like you're talking about a- They're all a in hand- the Falcon, baby. That's it. Yeah. There's one ship. Everyone fits on the Millennium Falcon. And it looks like there was actually a little bit of room to spare. Like they could have fit a few more people <laughs> if they'd made it. They, like they could have actually collected a couple of those little crystal fox things and thrown them in there, for, you know. Hey, we could probably we can sell these when we when we see uh, when we go to Maz's new cantina. Um, yeah, I, I, it's it's it does everything you could want. Sets up your big bad for the third act. All of that mm-hmm. and dropped the ball. They did, but oh well. Did. At least we had the last Jedi. That's how I Indeed. look at it. Indeed. And another thing. Well, sir, what have you got for and another thing for this episode? Well, my end, another thing, I'm going to go against brand here and go a little academic on y'all. Um, yeah. Hang on. Let me put on my uh, tweed vest, uh, my my tweed jacket with the, the leather patches on the elbows. So still looking like Chucky is what you're saying. <laughs> Chucky wishes that he had that jacket. That would have <laughs> concurrently helped him a lot. Oh, indeed. Uh, my, uh, and another thing is a book I recently completed called Start With Why by Simon uh, Sinek. Uh, and hmm. the subtitle is How Great Leaders Inspire Everyone to Take Action. This is, uh, something I was kind of reading, uh, related to my, my work, but, uh, feel it is something that I think, um, really gets to the heart of, of, of just, anything we do, you know, is, is starting with the question why, and, and I'll just uh, read an excerpt from the summary of the book. Um, any person or organization can explain what they do. Some can explain how they are different or better, but very few can clearly articulate why, because why is not about money or profit. Those are results. Why is the thing that inspires us and inspires those around us? Uh, It says, from Martin Luther King Jr. to Steve Jobs to the Wright Brothers, Start With Why shows that the leaders who inspire us all think, act, and communicate in the same exact way, and it's the complete opposite of what everyone else does. Uh, Drawing on a wide range of real-life stories, it provides a framework upon which organizations can be built, movements can be led, and people can be inspired, and it all starts with why. And so this Hmm. book was really interesting to me. Um, It looks at, uh, as I just read in the summary, a few companies as examples, Apple uh, is definitely one of them, but like Southwest Airlines, Continental Airlines, uh, Walmart. Um, uh, if, if you look on YouTube under, under uh, just look for Simon uh, Sinek, S-I-N-E-K. Um, he has a lot of motivational talks um, that are um, not really just motivational, but also probing in terms of thinking about the way you do things. And, Hmm. and this book, um, in and of itself, just asking that question, you know, what is the why behind what I am doing, um, is, is very compelling, intriguing, and I think very thought provoking. Um, so I'm, I'm, you know, once I finished this, it wasn't so much just a, a book just for work, but also about, you know, thinking through things that, that I want to do or pursue and, and asking that question, what, you know, like, what is the why behind it? And, you know, when, and his whole point is once you understand the why, then the inspiration and the longevity and, and kind of the greatness that tends to follow these companies um, happens because people tend to engage and lock into a philosophy rather than a result. And, mm. and I think that's really kind of the key thing. And so uh, if you have an opportunity, if you're looking for 
a little something to kind of inspire you or, or to kind of, uh, uh, get you to think a little differently when it comes to work, um, or, or just anything you really engage in hobby wise, uh, or, or otherwise, uh, do check this book out. Start with why by Simon Sinek. It is, uh, I think he published this in 2009. So it is not a brand new book. Uh, if anything, uh, I'm staying brand loyal by being about 20 years behind the times, but <laughs> it is a great book. Nonetheless, do check it out. And in very apropos, uh, even for this time. What say you, sir? Uh, what is yours? Well, very. Uh, first of all, I want to compliment you on the quality of and the thoughtfulness of of your and another thing. That is uh, very interesting, and i I think I'm going to have to check out that book. No, seriously, I'm I'm trying Thank to you. be somewhat serious here. Thank you. Uh, yeah, no, I, that's that's actually sounds like a really good book and something that would be uh, might be up my particular alley at this moment. Something I may uh, have from- to send Uncle Todd if if he happens to pull out a victory again in a real jabroni. Ah, yes, we will see. We will see. I'm still working my way through uh, the book, the other book that you sent me. I'm I'm slowly making my way through that. It's like it's like um, we're starting the free range ADC book club over here. <laughs> yeah. And, and and remarkably, like there's chapters. It's not just you know, <laughs> picture books, <laughs> coloring books, actually. It'd be the way. You sent me one. All the pictures were colored. No, <laughs> what am what I going to do with it? <laughs> Frame them. Um <laughs> Jeez. Oh, uh, my and another thing is uh, one of my favorite uh, shows I've, I've discovered in the last couple of years uh, is a back on uh, back on the streaming right now. And I somehow I mean, if there was announcements for, for this earlier, I managed to miss it. Uh, it kind of snuck up on me, but it was uh, a, a very pleasant surprise. Uh, I've uh, spoken of this show before on our uh, podcast, and it's for all mankind which is uh, produced by friend of the show, Ronald D. Moore, of course, of Battlestar Galactica reimagining fame. And uh, episode one of season three is now available. And actually, probably episode two might be out by the time this episode, uh, uh, episode of our podcast is available <laughs> online. So uh, if you have the Apple TV Plus uh, or Apple TV Plus, uh, be sure that you check that out. It's a, it's a really good show. If, you haven't, if you're not familiar with it, it's an alternative history show. Basically, it starts with the premise of what if uh, the Soviet Union had landed people on the uh, astronauts on the moon before Americans um, and how history follows from there and, and how the space race goes, how the, the destiny of the Soviet Union and, and the United States goes after that in, in terms of you know, different presidents being elected and the Soviet Union not collapsing on itself. Um, And just the way that the space race continues rather than just kind of being over. Um, And and now in the third season, we're talking, it's now into, I believe, the early to mid 90s. And we're dealing with kind of the race to Mars now. Uh, between the United States and uh, and the USSR, which is interesting, but it's it's also interesting because you see the uh, the lives of the astronauts and how that program went and and would go in this different alternate timeline, and how there's different there's some very different characters involved and and how um, there were there you know in this alternate history how there's many more women involved because that was one of the things that NASA was like hey well we're gonna have the first women in space and 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 how this changed the space program and and you could kind of see where the logic in this is uh, in trying to make a splash and in trying to be first at well we got to be first at this thing now and and instead of that 
So very, very interesting show. Uh, very well done. Very well written. Very well acted. A lot of really good uh, actors involved in this. And uh, the first episode from season one, I thought was really good. Kind of pulls you back into that world and, and without uh, without diving too much into what the story for the season will be. But it it's, it's a very good kind of refresher of like, oh, and hey, here's what the universe looks like. You know, after not seeing this for, you know, nine, ten months or whatever it's been since the season two was on. So I highly recommend that if you have not watched it, it's a it's worth a couple bucks from uh, to, you know, shovel to Apple TV and uh, catch up on all those seasons and catch the third season right now. Nice. We, we are about to adopt the Apple uh, TV plus uh, ah. to watch a few uh, episodes of some series we are interested in. So maybe I need to uh, latch onto this one as part of that. Yeah, I, I think you would dig it. I think you dig it a lot. There's nice. there's a Ronald D. Moore. There there's definitely some fingerprints of his on this in terms of uh, stuff that you could tie back to like BSG and things like that. Not directly. There's no Cylons or anything, nice. but uh, there's definitely some of that. A lot of the a lot of the uh, focus is on the characters and and the story through characters and and really having those characters do this do the work instead of like, hey, it's all about plot. No, it's about characters, dummy. So, uh, yeah, definitely check that out. Uh, if you have the chance, uh, man, they call Tim and also to our, our listeners at large. Very nice. Well, now we come to that time of the show where we have to start wrapping this thing up. Yep. That's right. It's time for us to pack up our traveling medicine show of idiocy and shuffle along to, yeah, well that too. Yeah. Matlock is on then murder. She wrote after that. (laughs) I'm, I'm out like a light. But thank you all for tuning in. We definitely appreciate you tuning in and listening to our brand of idiocy. We certainly appreciate all the members of the Free Range Idiocy congregation who have gathered here. If you are not a member of the of the congregation, if you don't even, you're like, what the hell is this? Is this some sort of cult? No, it's just what we call our listeners. It's an MLM, and baby. It. Yeah, it's, <laughs> it's one of them new uh, celestials coming out. <laughs> Um, if you have not uh, subscribed to our humble little podcast, what the hell's wrong with you? You need to go on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, uh, iHeartRadio, a whole bunch of others, uh, and just subscribe. Or you can subscribe right through the Podbean app, which uh, you can find us at freerangeadc.com. That'll take you right to our Podbean page. You can download all of our episodes there, or you can subscribe through the app. And you'll get little notifications and dings and stuff like that when new episodes come out. Uh, if you do not find the podcast purveyor of your choice, uh, if you don't find us on the podcast, if you don't find your podcast purveyor of choice, then wow, you maybe you ought to put the phone down. This might not be your thing. The interwebs might not be for you. Maybe you ought to go back to cassettes. Um, but if you can't find us on the podcast purveyor of your choice, I want you to email Tim at freerangeidc.com and he will let me know. We'll see about getting that hooked up for you. Mm-hmm. Also, concurrently, um, forthwith, if you if you have any questions, thoughts, concerns, if you you know what, if you think if you happen to disagree with us about our premise that. The Last Jedi is a great Star Wars movie. What I want you to do is I want you to email those thoughts and concerns to Tim at FreeRangeADC.com. Don't send them to me because, quite honestly, I just go tell you to pound sand because I don't care. But Tim is a very caring, empathetic human being, so he'll he'll listen to you and uh, he'll do those what they should. Um, if you have any thoughts or ideas for a show, definitely send those. And uh, if you have not followed us on the social media, again, 
the hell's wrong with you? Seriously, like, get with it. It's it's 2022. We're almost, I mean, we're hurtling towards 2023. Like, get on the social media bandwagon, if only just to make us feel better, okay? So we are on the Facebook, we are on the Twitter, we are on the Instagram. All of those are at Free Range EDC. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time of the show that the congregation enjoys the best because this is when I stop talking finally. Hallelujah! And again, my neighbors are now like, what the hell is he doing? Is he watching? He's got an old episode of the Billy Graham Crusades on over there. What the hell? Wait, he said bang bang before. Now it's a religious ceremony. What's going yeah. on? They're looking out like, is he going to do communion next? Because he's got wine over. I might stop. Um, but uh, I'm going to hand this over to the less idiotic of the two idiots who run this show. Uh, but not before I ask the second most important question ever uttered by humankind. The first, of course, being what is hip? The second being, what the hell did we learn this episode? Uh, we've learned the following, my friend. Ah, uh, good. A list. I love these. Uh, we have learned that uh, Uncle Todd uh, wants that Ghostbusters sequel sooner than 2024 so if, uh, jason reitman can make that happen that'd be great i want it like yesterday <laughs> wanted two years ago pretty uh, much we've also learned uh marvel's thunderbolts vindicates the real and the jabroni uh very uh it's various cockamamie rumors usually come to fruition so uh you know just 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 keep the faith, ladies and gentlemen. Keep keep listening to those episodes because there is something there. And if we're wrong, well, it may be flipped into a movie at some point. You know, when you first said that the real and jabroni had been vindicated, I thought that maybe we got a retweet from the Iron Sheik. I was like, what? What happened? <laughs> Bubba! Make him humble. I, I, there's no way I thought we were right about something. I figured I figured something else had to have happened. I mean, it's a year and a half after the fact, but we're right about something. Hey, you know, I'll, I'll take that. Or Iron Sheet cussing us out on Twitter. I mean, I'm not picky. I'm, I'm really not. No. Not so much something we've learned, but something to acknowledge. Props to Uncle Todd for breaking out the Cactus Jack Triple H story. Can't hear enough about that. Nope. Good stuff. Also, bang, uh, props bang. to Uncle Todd for working the uh, wrestling jargon into our last Jedi analysis. Very much appreciated that. <laughs> Oh I have fully converted him to my ways. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's a sick, sick, sick world, I'm telling you. Oh, Draw me money! Uh, we here at uh, Free Range EDC, uh, as, you, as you have learned, uh, listeners, we ruminate, we debate, we adjudicate, and we meditate on Star Wars films like The Last Jedi. And uh, this one is a great one, bar none. And Rise of Skywalker, according to us, is suspect. <laughs> It's worse than suspect. It's worse. It, you know what? Actually, when you think about it, you know what the Rise of Skywalker is? It's that ponytail dude in the bar that, that Will has to has to face up against. It's that guy. It's that guy. Because then when he asks, you want to go outside? No, Rise of Skywalker is like, no, man, I'm okay. We're cool. We're cool. Like, Rise of Skywalker ain't got, ain't got no huefos. None whatsoever. Mm-mm. And it hurts me to say that because that's what we that we got Lando back in that one, but it's still it, it's true. No huefos whatsoever. Bring him back in another way. Though. Oh, <sighs> so if I've seen this several times, and I am I got to tell you, I'm rooting for it. The whole like the the Lando 
series that was rumored and all that, mm. like on the on the blues, like and and almost doing like the young Indiana Jones Chronicles sort of thing. Like, wouldn't it be great if every episode is like Lando starts telling a story as he's sitting around playing cards with a bunch of the smugglers, and and then it goes into like and then it's Donald. Yeah, it's Donald Glover then plays him throughout, and then all of a sudden he'll be interrupted by like one of the other players, like that's not how it happened, you know. <laughs> and, and it's like I, I want that. I want like a mixture of like the young Indiana Jones Chronicles crossed with like the barbershop scenes from Coming to America, where it's like you don't know no Frank Sinatra, <laughs> like just calling out Lando, like that's not how that happened. I was there. <laughs> that would be great. I could get and it. then just. And then just Billy D being like, well, you know, uh, I might have embellished a little. <laughs> oh, my. I want that. Back then, I had some cool 45 when that happened. Works every time. Works every time. <sighs> well, listeners, as Uncle Todd has said, we thank you for uh, listening to us. Uh, be safe. Mm-hmm. Be healthy. Mm-hmm. Be kind. Mm-hmm. Be good to one another. Mm-hmm. And because Uncle Todd thinks he can use the force, please, would you hit the lights on the way out? <laughs> Like I picked the wrong week to quit drinking. I beg your pardon, what did you say? Draw me money! You're such a disappointing pair. I prayed so hard for you. <laughs> Get out! And don't come back until you've redeemed yourselves. I can use the force. Like right now, I can tell you, I'm going to use the force right now. I'm going to, I'm going to tell you what's happening over at the office, even though I'm miles away. Hang on a second here. I'm getting a vision. I'm getting a vision. Oh, a vision. Here we go. It's going to be Patrick on the toilet, probably. Nope. Patrick is passed out <laughs> on the couch with his face on a Big Mac, half-eaten Big Mac that he just got from McDonald's next door. Oh, my gosh. I will. I will find out. And next episode will follow. Do you remind me? I'll. I'll see what he looks like in the morning. I guarantee he'll have that wrapper stuck to his face. I'll include something in the show notes or something like that. Yes, I would take a picture. But I mean, we try to keep. You know, we try and keep everyone's face off to protect the guilty or the innocent. I'm sorry. Indeed. Now get the hell out of here.